So the NRL All-Stars podcast, this is Barnsley, back for Supercoach TLT round 12. And this episode, I'm very pleased to have someone who has never been on the podcast before, not just this year, but ever. And that is Armin, who does Supercoach. Armin Talks Supercoach is a really cool YouTube show that I love having a look at as well. You started off as a podcast when you, you first started a while back now, and now you're just exclusively a YouTube show, Armin. So really enjoy it. But welcome to the All-Stars podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Barnes. I'm a long-time listener, so it's cool to be finally on. And uh, yeah, as you say, thought it'd be slightly different to the podcast and put something on YouTube, which is good. Got some visuals there, but you know the topics and the contents all the same. But um, yeah, the support's been really awesome since I've started that. So um, yeah, it's been really fun, and I'm happy to join you today to talk more Supercoach. How good? Yeah, and I, I, I like the YouTube stuff because it's really different. There's obviously a lot of podcasts out there as well. Um, some of the guys do some really cool live ones. Obviously the uh, Mike and Sav's show previously, now the Supercoach Experience is uh, <laughs> the live show um, extraordinaires, um, a few of the other ones as well that are bouncing around, but your YouTube content is really good. So that's something a bit different again. So a lot of different content around for Supercoach, which is good. You can get it in a lot of different ways. I know that when I'm sort of, you know, if I'm going to work and stuff, I can't really do the YouTube stuff. I sort of need a podcast, but if I'm at home working and stuff and I want to put some visuals to it, you know, Armin talks NRL super coach is fantastic to do that with. So jump on YouTube. I imagine people can subscribe on YouTube and, and um, get the episodes as they hit each week, Armin. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So the episodes will come in usually on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And then we sometimes um, if, when I can try to do a wrap up kind of live stream as well on Sundays. Um, I actually, a few people were looking at potentially getting me onto a um, Spotify as well. So I've just started putting my videos on Spotify, just the audio, just because, as you say, people might be driving, they might be doing something else, and it's hard to go on the YouTube. So I've tried to accommodate for both people, then hopefully it's still relevant. But there are a lot of visuals which do make YouTube probably the primary platform. Awesome, awesome. Well, if anyone wants to give something else a go, if they haven't listened to Armin, on his po- on his podcast that you can do or on YouTube when you can see all the visuals and everything, go and jump on and have a look. But for everyone tuning into this podcast, especially if it's the first time with the All Stars podcast, I'll tell you what you're in store for. So this is the Super Coach episode every week. We've got our TLT Super Coach episode that drops every Wednesday for you to get onto, and then each Friday we've got the Talk and Footy episode, which is all about footy, no Super Coach, just all about rugby league including all the big topics on hand at the moment, everything that's been in the media, all the big stories, and also some past content too, like our Legend Rewind, where we do a spotlight and chat about uh, an old player that's maybe a bit forgotten or needs a bit of a refresher in people's memories, and we talk about their careers. So a lot of footy each week from the All-Stars podcast, but this is a super coach episode. Um, and it has been a dire week, I think, that you could put it. We're going to go through the numbers in a minute, but... I uh, Look, I had a better week than week four because I had an absolute shock of the week before and I just thought, sort of thought, you know, this week I actually improved because I got into the thousands, but it was one of those weeks, wasn't it, where it was just like, if you got into the thousands, you kind of felt like you dodged a bullet a little bit because you look around in your leagues and there was a lot of people that were under a thousand points and I think that the top score of the round that won the prize was only around the 1350 mark. So a pretty low scoring round. How did you manage to fare? No, you're dead right. And it's. I feel like it's been not even just last week, the fortnight 
as well has been fairly low scoring. Like I had got sub 1,000 the week before. I managed to luckily turn it around this week. I was actually a 1,109, which was actually, you know, you look at that on face value, you think that's a pretty ordinary score. But just with this week being so low scoring, it turned out to be a pretty good one. I think the actual round score was in the, um, like it was around 10,000, which is pretty decent. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. season's been a bit up and down. I've been ranked at 11.5K at the moment. Uh, but yeah, we were trying to turn things around. The starting team had a few issues that we had to trade hard to fix it up. But uh, yeah, look, it was a good week last week after saving trades. Maybe that's something I need to keep in mind is try to not tinker with the team too much, just leave it be and hope that things can turn around on its own. Yeah, I think on the weekend as well, um, certainly like a 11.09 is a good score. It was definitely above par from from everything that we saw. But it was... I think everyone before the round started thought that it was going to be a really tough round because of all the weather. You know, everyone looked at all the weather reports and stuff, and especially in Sydney, it was raining pretty much the entire week, and everyone sort of thought, oh, no, the weather's... A lot of the games were fine. It was sort of like the start of Magic Round, hey, when the start of Magic Round was a bit rainy and everyone was really worried about it, and then for a couple of days, the rain kind of held off. And it was actually the Queensland game (laughs) with Hines as many people's captain, including mine, where it started bucketing down monsoonal in the second half. So it wasn't even the rain and the weather that really caused too much havoc on the weekend. And I think that that's what people were expecting. And then when it was sort of not raining that hard, everyone sort of went, oh, well, maybe Supercoach will be okay. But it wasn't the case. Um, look, what we do normally do is go through the scores quickly. I'm going to do that now just to have a quick round review, get your take on it a little bit more as well, Armin. But, I mean, it, it was it was pretty incredible. Like when you go through the numbers and everything from round 11, we only had four tonnes and we talk about, and we reference it like it was such a long time ago, you know, those first few weeks of the season that were really low scoring and real, you know, drudging, trying to get those 100 scores over the line that just weren't coming. But four scores over 100 is the lowest that we've had all year. And only and three of those four scores over 100 only just scraped over. We had Ruben Garrick at four with 100 points. Jerome Luai and Hudson Young equal second at 102 points each. And the only real good score was Selwyn Cobbo with 131. So it was, you can see there, there just wasn't any high scoring. Needless to say, the scores were low because you couldn't even jag a captain because none of those guys were going to be captained anyway. Uh, really, it was, it clearly ended up being the best captain going 80 plus. But one of the things that we did see, the only positive was that there was a lot of 80 plus scores. So I haven't seen yet more than 35, 80 plus scores. And that's actually happened. Um, with the 35 in the last round. But little caveat with that again, you know, I've spoken about on the podcast many times, Armin, that it's a little bit deceiving when you look at the top scores sometimes because when you delve into it a bit deeper, a lot of them are pods that nobody owns. Only nine of the 35 scores that were 80-plus in round 11 were actually not pods. And that's pretty astounding (laughs) numbers when you have a look at them and deep dive into them. Yeah, definitely. I'm just having a look at it now as well. Like you have some guys like Hines and Cleary who are pretty popular, but only going the 80s, they're not going to give you those massive 1350, 1400 rounds that we were seeing, um, you know, last year for sure. And a couple of times this year as well. And uh, yeah, on the the point on having, you know, a lot of pod players scoring higher each week, um, it just means that it probably helps you think of not trying to chase points so much because, it's so easy to see a big score, think about, okay, I think this guy is good. Let's go get him in. And then 
sooner or later, and then the week after, some completely out of the blue guy gets another big score. So I think it's more about trying to filter through that, see through those big scores who's more consistent, who's more of the genuine gun. So I think that's maybe one potential lesson to take out of when you're seeing so many pods do well, try to assess which are the ones that actually you think are sustainable and which ones are maybe just uh, you know a one one hit wonder. Yeah, and it's a really good point too. And it's one that you can definitely put to guns as well. Uh, and you mentioned chasing points. And one of the things that we that I've mentioned every now and then is just looking at the mathematics of it. Um, but when you actually look at what you mentioned about chasing points, you know, it really holds true with the guns where if somebody's put up a big score, you can see just by the amount of pods each week and the lack of guns when you're looking at the 100 pluses and the 80 pluses that they're very unlikely to put up that massive score again the next week. So we've seen these buying patterns all through the year of people jumping on someone who's gone, you know, 130, 140, 150 the week before, and they don't get that the next week. Um, but that ha- that's happening even more so than what it has in prior seasons. So when you look at someone, and we're going to talk about this guy a bit later, but someone like Selvin Cobber, you know, he's just put up 131. And the track record is that it's very unlikely that he's going to get near that this week because it just, you know, not many players have done it. Nico Hines has done it. Um, and Cleary's done it for a couple of weeks in a row once. Um, but really, there's very few players that have managed to put up a big score and then followed it up. And, and that's the other thing that's the takeaway, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, you just need to be looking at the track record. Is this someone who's in their first season? Are they a rookie just having a good run of games because of easy uh, schedule? Or are they just in a bit of a purple patch? I think that's really the the part of the super coach that I'm also trying to get better at is just trying to really improve that subtle decision making. So I think that really does separate the, the good from the great um, super coaches out there. Definitely. So before we go into TLT, normally on these podcasts, we do have a, a bit of a strategy chat and that's what we're doing now. But we are going to have a big buy episode next week, guys and girls. So next week, me and Billy are going to be on board. We're going to do a full buy wrap um, leading into that buy TLT. And we're going to talk about all the buy round purchases. So certainly you should be doing it you know, beforehand. Um, but I'm going to do the buy episode next week to tell you about you know, all the main buys that I think are the best ones in each position. You guys and girls can make the decisions about that after next week's episode. But certainly one of the key strategies that we can look at at the moment, Armin, is one of the things I mentioned last week is you know, I, I, I've fallen behind a couple of weeks. I had some lower scores. So to try and catch it up now, I've decided that I'm going to hit the buy really hard and I'm really focused on hitting that buy because that's one of the few remaining points halfway through a season where you can get massive ground on people and where you get a lot of head-to-head guys really fall back and start to score poorly and you can get a massive jump. Um, but there's a few different strategies that comes out of the buy round. You know, one of them that I mentioned last week was obviously the one where I'm hitting it hard and every every purchase I'm looking at at the moment is are they playing the round 13 buy and then planning ahead on who's going to work and how I get rid of them later and so forth. But the other strategy in this buy round is could you possibly sell some of your guns now? So if you've had a bad couple of weeks, you want to hit the buy round hard and you just had another poor week, which a lot of coaches have. Um, you're sitting there with guys like, for example, Munster and Grant have both got 169 BE. They're playing Manly this week and next week they're not playing. Uh, and then they've got potential rest periods or with Grant's case, maybe he doesn't rest, but he's got lower minutes during that origin period. And 169 BE, there's obviously a chance that they're going to leak a lot of cash. Teddy's another one that's got a higher break even in 120, but it's nowhere near, obviously, those couple of Storm examples. These type of players, you know, do you make the call at this point 
and be really bold and say, look, I'm not going to be able to get above the pack if I just keep following along this period with all these heavily owned players. I'm going to have to do something a bit different. So certainly a strategy that I have done before in spots and starts. I haven't certainly done it throughout my whole team and ripped out every superstar that I have across three weeks and punted them all to buy back later. You can't do that. But definitely I've picked and chosen some guys over a buy period at times and gone, you know what, I'm going to forego a Cameron Munster for the next six weeks and I'm going to hope that I can buy him back cheaper later on and use that money to get me set for the buy, use that money to maybe get me in a a big gun pot at the moment um, and hopefully be able to get him cheaper later with a, a straight swap back. Is this a viable strategy, do you think, if people are really chasing at the moment with these heavily owned gun players that are going to play Origin? I think so. I think the key word about the strategy, it is risky, but you can pull it off. Like I'm typically very conservative and I think part of the strategy's success also really does depend on your amount of trades because if you're thinking about, you know, not obviously every Origin gun that you've got, but a couple of the key ones like Grant, maybe a Monster, maybe a Tedesco. If you're going to sell these guys and then bring them back in, you really have to be conscious that you're burning two trades on the same player and you never know with injuries, suspensions, et cetera. These things can always crop up and you'll need to be covering that with trades. So like in my head, I've kind of thought that the amount of par trades left would be maybe around the 23, 24 mark. I feel like if you're above 25 trades and you've also maybe got a couple of boosts up your sleeve, I feel like that's when that strategy can also be used because I feel like you've got enough of those trades to make that strategy work. If you're like me, for example, with 21 trades, that feels like a really low number to be doing the strategy when you know you're definitely going to want this guy back. And I really also think the strategy success also depends on the quality of replacement you're getting. Like someone like Grant, for example, like Hooker really doesn't have anyone else at that position who can match him. And the next best is probably a Damien Cook who's also going to suffer from the same thing of origin. So someone like that, I feel like the strategy doesn't work as much. Someone like a monster where at a 5-8 you can chase a similar upside player maybe like a drink order who's on fire recently maybe take a chance on a cody despite the rabbitos not looking great that's where you potentially can make that strategy work it definitely is risky um if you have other examples as well like i have an azayo azayo has been absolutely killing it he's i think leading the dalliums he's been on fire averaging 65 super solid i'm looking at him potentially thinking he'll get his minutes managed and at second row forward, I think there's enough good replacements that I can sell him potentially in round 13 and then make up ground by not having his lost points or his cash potentially and bring him back. That kind of player, it feels a bit easier to do that kind of a strategy because you feel like they're not going to punish you. Yeah, I guess it's a bit of a cop-out where it's, you know, it's completely situational and team-dependent, but I really do think so. For a strategy like that, you really have to give it some hard thought. But um, no, I agree. I think it is definitely viable just needs a lot of thought behind it. Yeah, you've definitely got a plan around it. Like, And there's probably two different types of players there. So the Munster type, you need to plan ahead on when you're going to buy him back. Um, I, and I, I would think, I think that Munster, out of Munster and Grant, Munster's the guy that you sell because uh, I think, like Armin said, there's, there's a lot of other options that you can have in your halves. Uh, there's less so at Hooker. So it, it's an easy one, Munster, I reckon, but... One of the big things is that after Origin 1, the Storm obviously have the buy around 13. He doesn't play. And then after Origin 1, the Storm actually played at 5.30 on the Saturday. So it's actually pretty close to Origin on the Wednesday. And they're playing up against the Roosters as well. So it's not the best backup. The turnaround is going to be pretty short. Uh, and, you know, generally 
if they're playing on the Sunday, it's a lot easier. If they're playing on the Saturday, uh, the Storm are obviously going really well too. They had a bad loss on the weekend against the Cows, you know, but you know they're still tracking pretty easily to be a top four side. Bellamy's notoriously, you know, last minute uh, changes to rest guys and bench guys and stuff as well. So it's going to be hard. You know, he could easily sit out that game on the Saturday uh, in round 14 after that origin game. So I think the Munster's a good one, but I said there's two different types. Munster is the buyback type. You need to buy him back for the run home. So you need to decide when that's going to be and kind of plan that out. The other type of guy though is going to be the sacrifice. And this is going to be the guy that you is a rep player, is a gun that you didn't want to sell. But at this point, you're kind of going to have to go, well, you know what? I don't have a choice. I need to to make a different decision on my strategy and go a different way. And you need to be malleable enough and dynamic enough in your super coach planning to go, you know what? That was my plan. I need to throw it out the window now because I planned on being top 1,000 and now I'm, say, ranked 20,000 and I need to do some stuff different. You know, you need to be able to change on the fly. And one of the changes is is the sacrifice plays. And that is, as a Yo is a fantastic example that Armin brought up. You know, I've got Yo as well. Love to have just kept him the whole way because, you know, you, people started with someone like that perhaps and then it costs you nothing. You've started with him. You didn't have to trade him in even. There's no trades. But if you trade him out um, and you're able to get a leg up by doing that and get another buy number, you don't have to be able to trade him back in. There's enough in the secondary forward spots and enough guys that you can hit to give you that 65 points where he's not a must trade in. So there's certainly no sacrifice plays over origin that maybe you didn't want to make, but you should start thinking about it now and whether you need to. Definitely a strategy that works. Um, and we both mentioned it's risky. It definitely is because I know in the past seasons, someone like a Cleary, someone like a Teddy, someone like a Munster, all these type of big gun origin players um, maybe have backed up when we thought they didn't. But certainly I know that all of them across the last few years have hit a massive score in the middle of these buy rounds. And if you don't own them for that, it can really hurt you. So that's where the big risk is. And these guys generally can all hit a massive one. Yeah, definitely. And I think it it pays to probably go back and look at the previous couple of seasons, see what the kind of rotation looked like around this origin period. Is there a pattern that you can kind of, you know, see in terms of the number of days after a certain origin game where they rested? But it's very hard to look into that when there's so many other factors that can come into it. Like we were just saying about, you know, Melbourne coming off a pretty bad loss to the Cowboys. Yes, they're in a comfortable position, but is Bellamy willing to give his star players a break when he knows that he really needs to maybe give them a lesson or something. And, you know, there's so many factors that come into it. So that's, that's the risk in the strategy of selling these guys when, you know, the coach might just say, you know what, it might actually be better for his rhythm just to play him again. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Um, it's going to be a really interesting period, but certainly this next couple of months um, for that run home, you know, by round 18, there's going to be huge movement in super coach. So it's definitely the time where you can take some risks uh, and sort of decide, you know, do you want to become a head-to-head team now, in which case your priorities should shift, or do you want to really go for overall and go for your goal there? Because unfortunately, with Supercoach, they don't split it out, so you can't have a separate head-to-head team to your overall, which which sucks, and something that I think everybody's lobbied for them to change, but it's not there yet. So certainly some big decisions in the next eight weeks. Uh, let's move on to TLT. So first game of the round, it's going to be the Storm versus Seagulls. When we're looking at changes for this one, the big change is obviously Tom Trebojevic for Manly. He's gone. Um, I sold him last week. I got super lucky with it. I was back and forth for days on what I was going to do with that trade. And in the end, I just sort of thought, you know, I'm going to take my own advice from last week's podcast. Do I believe that he's healthy? Do I believe that, you know, he's going to be injury-free and he's going to be fine? 
I just couldn't get my head around believing that he was going to be. So I ended up selling him. Did you own him for last week, Armin, or did you punt him earlier? No, so I did not buy him that week. And I think when Pappenhausen went down, a lot of people switched to Turbo. Similar concerns, just with the injury and their draw, plus the origin. I just couldn't feel confident getting him at that price. Now, I obviously got very lucky with the fact that he looked really good last week, and but unfortunately got that season-ending injury. I instead bought Garrick, which obviously worked out because he did quite well last week. My thinking was Garrick's about 300k cheaper. If Turbo goes well, Garrick's a nice hedge. But um, yeah, I can see what you're thinking about. You know, you're back and forth in that decision. Selling someone like Turbo just puts you into a cold sweat just thinking about it. And especially with 2021 so fresh in our mind, we just know what he can do. I'm just glad I didn't have to cop another 76k loss because like he already copped a hundred grand off his price tag just about from the week prior. But that was the other decision too. I was like, I, if he went badly or if he was lame, but he was still playing, you know, I just, I, I wouldn't, it would have been very hard to swallow my pride and just take, you know, almost a 200k hit and sell him off. So I knew that I had to kind of make that decision last week. End of the day, everyone's had to sell him this this round. So certainly he's one of the most sold players as he should be because he's out for the year. We've got Garrick starting at fullback for him. For the Storm news, big one is Jerome Hughes is back and that really helps them. Brandon Smith goes back to the bench. When we're talking about super coach for this one, market watch. Turbo is obviously one of the highest sold. That's a given. Coates is one of the most highest sold. I've thought that he should have been sold way before this week, so we're not going to go into that one. But the interesting one out of this one for the market watch outs is in the top 10, we have young uh, Kohler. And Kohler is someone who is going to be playing round 13, but he hasn't necessarily set the world on fire. So I understand the thinking, and this is probably a really good um, talking point for this first matchup that we're that we're looking at, Armin. He only scored 33 points last week. Kohler went and scored 30 the week before. He's only gone above 30s twice out of his uh, half a dozen games that he started. He's got a 33 BE. He's 286K. He's made enough money where you would normally sell him. Is it right to be just punting him because, you know, he's basically bottomed out? Or do you go, no, actually, if I'm going to hit the buy hard, I need to keep guys like Kohler and I should be looking at a guy that's it's actually not playing. I think that's the question a lot of super coaches and having, you know, top 10 most trade out are asking themselves. Yeah, look, yeah, he definitely has been um, underwhelming with this. He's hovering around that 30 point score. But I think in my general advice would be to hold despite the low scores. And you can definitely look to move him on in round 14. The main rationale, just not just for the fact that he's playing in round 13, it's the fact that the Manly Sea Eagles are playing the Warriors in round 13. Now, and on at the moment, the Warriors are cons- one of the teams conceding the most points um, to opposing attacking players. And Kula, I've just checked, he's 45% owned. So that's at least half the game realistically is probably going to play him next week because of the buy. And so if he manages to go big because the Warriors concede points and you don't have him and you've held him up until this point, like I feel like you'd be absolutely filthy having sold him. That would It's more the pain of having known you'd held him and all that time and then sold him before he went big and half the games got those points and you don't. That's why I think I'd probably advise holding. But like a round 14 definitely can be flicked. Yeah, and it's a, even even round 14, like if he has a big score against the Warriors, which is possible, he's then got the Tigers round 14. So he might even buy himself a couple of weeks. Mm. Uh, and certainly we've seen this plenty of times with cheapies over the 
whole lifespan of Supercoach ever since it was invented, that these guys will plot along for a couple of months scoring 30s, but inevitably they they get their try and he hasn't scored a try yet. You know, it's going to be coming. Um, But I will say that I'm a little bit torn on this one. So I I don't think there's a right or wrong answer on it. So I'm not going to blame people for selling him because two reasons. One, I'm going to be really mean to Manly fans here. Now that Turbo's out, I don't want a bar of Manly for a start. Like, I don't want any of them. Uh, I really don't believe that they're going to do too well. Um, But number two, uh, I've I've looked at so many teams where their centre wing just stinks, where they've just got all these guys that are remnants of Cheapy's past, like a a Taz, a a Burbo, a Cola, a Valia, all these players that were waiting to make money and they just didn't start kicking it off. And it's just like a graveyard of these cheapies that haven't made enough money yet. Uh, so all of a sudden we've got Karaz coming through for the Bulldogs this week. That to me is potentially the cheapie buy of the whole season. That's a must have. So I will say that if you don't have anyone else that you can go to a Karaz with and you've got to sacrifice a caller, there's a chance that he does, does just throw up 30 odd points against the Warriors. And then, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. And you're going to get Karaz in anyway as a number for 13. So I can see it viable to sell him out. Obviously it's preferable if you just hold anyone you can for 13, but there is going to be circumstances where it's going to work out for you. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I think with that logic, you know, if, yeah, if you've got no other viable center wings and you need to get Karaz, who I do agree is a great cheapie to go for this week, then yeah, fair enough. Then pull the pin. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously, of course, I think if you can afford to hold him for an extra buy number, that's probably the optimal strategy. Yep, I'm going to struggle with that one this week myself because I've got a graveyard cemetery of all these <laughs> center wing corpses everywhere. <laughs> I can't even... I, I'm looking at my team right now. I've got Kula, Valea, Tass. I feel like you're personally attacking me with that little rant. <laughs> I've got all those guys. Wings. I've got Burbo <laughs> sitting in my second row forward waiting to come down as well to give me some issues. So yeah, it's, we've got the similar team. Yeah. Don't worry. Uh, look, Ruben Garrick, sixth most traded in player. Um, I think that everybody's thinking, you know, oh, he's going at fullback. Um, Turbo's gone. That's going to work out great for him. Look, he's had three fullback games this year already. Um, he scored 76, 80, and 50 points when Turbo was out for three weeks. So pretty solid outings for him. Uh, but look, in, in seasons past, I don't... I don't actually think he's been better at fullback than what he has been on the wing playing off turbo. So I think this is probably the big thing, right? He's, he's 650,000. He's still got to break even close to a ton. I understand the purchase because he's going to be a premium option for next week. And if you already own him, obviously, you know, it, it's great that you've already got him and he's going to get that fullback job. It's going to be interesting, especially against the Warriors and especially against the Tigers the following week. But buying him at 650,000, I'm... I'm not against it, but I also can't quite get myself on board with it to the point that I think it's a fantastic buy because we have seen this Manly side without Turbo in the past not go well. Um, and we have seen Ruben Garrick as fullback of this Manly side in the past when it hasn't been going well and it hasn't gone well for Ruben at times either. So I don't think it's a slam dunk. And if you're spending 650000 on a centre wing, you want to be pretty close to a slam dunk. So I do see a little bit of risk there. I agree. I don't think he's a purchase this week. He's got to break even a 97 and he's versing the Storm, who surely will turn around, especially with Hughes back. I don't see him as a trade-in this week. You get a week to assess how he goes at fullback. You can see how manly look, and then you can make the call next week. Do you want to get him then? That's that's my view on it. Like I've got him. I'll hold him, obviously, but I don't see him as a buy at all this week. And I think give yourself a week, if you can, to check, see how he goes, and um, yeah, go on from there. Like In terms of the stats at fullback, I did have a look at this 
um, back to about 2020. You're right, like he's averaged around 67 at the time he's played fullback, which is solid for a center wing, but it's not like he's going to suddenly bump up like 10, 15 points in average. And without Turbo, um, you know, there's obviously no guarantee on how good Manly you're going to go either. So, no, I definitely think uh, I would wait a week and then decide if you want to go for Garrick after that. A, a guy of interest in this one, and it's of interest because I was interested, because someone actually brought up with me last week, hey, what do you think about Brandon Smith? He's really cheap. And I sort of went, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan and I never am a super coach Brandon Smith, but... I went and had a look and I was like, wow, he's only 405,000. And then I looked at his scores. I went, no way, mate, don't, don't do it. He's not getting the minutes. I didn't think that he was. The minutes are just all over the shop. The scores are bad. He's, he's just scoring. He's a career low PPM. He's just not going well at all. But he's now dropped to 386,000. And I don't think that he's a good purchase at all. But it does become interesting because one of the things that I've said forever on this podcast, Armin, is everybody becomes value when they get to a low enough price. It's just a matter of what that price is for that player. You know, <laughs> you, you don't want to pay, you know, 700,000 for Sione Katoa at the Sharks. But if he gets to 350, then you want to buy him straight away. You know, everyone has their, their price point where you just have to get on. And I was looking at this going, well, if Harry Grant does rest a little bit over this origin period, the Storm does have a, a short turnaround after origin one, even though he doesn't play the buy. I do have Randall sitting there that I have to get rid of to somebody in my second hooker spot. Brandon Smith is a jewel. He's a hooker second row forward. He's owned by no one. Um, if he bumps his minutes up, you know, from what he's been getting and even starts a game at hooker for Harry Grant for a rest game, he's going to play the round 17 matchup for the, that buy as well at pretty high minutes. You know, 386,000. I wish he was 300,000. But is he getting to a point now with a 65B where, you know, in the next two weeks you can sort of go, well, 345K for Brandon Smith, maybe going to play big minutes in round 14, going to play round 17. Maybe we take a punt on him. And if you've got a Randall now like me and you've got to get rid of him because he's going to leak cash, do you go a bit early? Like, is, am I crazy for looking at him as like a bad option that's going to get me out of a jam? You're not crazy because I also looked at him earlier this week. So cause I also saw the price and I thought that's ridiculous considering how good he was last season. See him at 387k. I was like, that can't be true. I nailed it on the head in terms of the minutes being all, all over the shop. But look, he will be great cover. I think I just see him as maybe a round 14 buy, but I get why you want to look at him this week because of the Chris Randall factor. And I think if you're struggling to go up in upgrading Chris Randall, Honestly, he's probably the best cheaper option because Hooker is really a bit of a wasteland below his price, which makes me more confident in being able, like okay with buying him because there's not really much else there. And Hooker's not really a spot you're going to get punished. Like, you know, most of the other guys you'd be looking at, maybe like a Cotter, a McInnes, these guys are probably going to knock out maybe 65 points. Smith at the moment is 40, which is a good 20, 25 points under. But if you think the minutes are going to go up a little bit during this origin period and get uh, average up to about 50, you're only looking at about 10 to 15 point difference and you're saving like 200K. So it might just be worth it. And we know that he is, uh, a, you know, he's done really well in the past. So honestly, I, I don't hate, I don't hate it, um, but it doesn't, it does it still doesn't like sit well with me. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's one of those things where like, I'd still give the same advice to the person that I spoke to last week. I spoke to maybe two or three people about it actually, but I'd still say the same thing. Like it's, it's not a good trade-in and it isn't like, but sometimes you need to consider you know, a, a bad trade-in because of your circumstances. And, you know, that might sound silly to some people, but, like, he's not a good trade-in. Like, if you looked in a vacuum and went, 
you know, is Brandon Smith going to be a good trade? You know, you know, we're going to score well. Is he someone I can play? The answer is no. He's not any good, but he is good to free up, you know, hundred and a hundred thousand from Randall that you have to sell now and stop from leaking cash and not have to spend a second trade to get another hooker in that's going to be half decent that that maybe won't go that well over the origin period anyway. And he is someone that when you look at round seventeen is a is a decent hooker option to have for that buy period. So yeah, under the right circumstances and expectations, if you're needing to get off someone like a Randall now, and if you're happy for him to stink it up for a couple of weeks and then get a couple of big games, including round 17 out of him, then he's going to serve a purpose. Um, he's also not going to be an AE that's going to get you, you know, 10 points. He'll still get you, you know, 30 points with his lower games. So it's not going to be the worst thing in the world. And he's got that dual flexibility too. So it is one of those things where if you needed to, you know, let him just die in your wasteland of your top 25 super coach squad and never look at him again, you could even do that. And that's going to be some of the decisions that people are going to have to make in that run home. You're going to end up leaving bad plays in your team and it's just going to happen because you're going to run out of trades or it's going to be a point where you go, I got like, you know, 70 points out of Brandon Smith in the round 17 buy. It was awesome to have him. I need to sell him now. Oh, I've got seven trades left or eight trades or whatever. And you just go, nah, look, I'd rather just have him sitting there scoring his 30 points or whatever than the waste a trade out. And you've got to kind of think about that now because it's starting to get to that point with the buy planning. So I don't think he's great. I wouldn't get on him, you know, in most circumstances, but he is an out. He is someone that's going to play round 17. If you think you're going to want him for round 17, you could make some some reasons why you'd go on him early. You just can't expect much from him in the next couple of weeks and certainly post-buy. Aside from him, there isn't a huge amount of interesting ones in this one, but there is a huge amount of interest in captaincy and vice-captaincy. Now, Obviously, Grant and Munster are going to be the big ones that people are going to look at. Munster has stunk it up for a few games here and there now. He's coming off a 37-point game against the Cowboys, a 49-point game against the Penrith Panthers. And before that, he went his massive 130 versus Dragons. So it's interesting because, you know, Manly could be considered a good side or you could be on the, the train of thought that, no, actually, they're going to be pretty similar to the Dragons now where they're going to be pretty bad. I tend to think that Manly are going to be really bad now. So I think that there is a chance that the Storm could do an absolute number on them this week. And that might be that 130 game for, you know, around nine months to come back. Or if not, maybe it's only going to be a 49-point game like we saw against the Panthers. Yeah, I tend to think that, I really think that Manly's pack is quite slow and can be really weak on the edges, which I tell people a lot, you know, the edges have been exploited massively. And I really think that holds really well for Harry Grant to go nuts because he's going to hit those edges in that middle pretty hard. And he's going to hit some passes on those edges too with some of those ball runners. And Kamakamitha's starting in this game. He's one of those runners that's really good off Grant. He's in the same boat, Harry Grant. He's had 49 or 58 points the last two weeks, started half the other week. But against the Dragons put up 138, very similar to Munster. I would actually go for a VC on a, on a Grant out of the two of them. Okay, interesting. I was going to say Munster. It just feels like he's probably got the highest ceiling than Grant. Grant's probably got the highest floor, but you're making a really good argument for, like, we know Grant. Like, he's got almost a try assist, I think, in every every game by in the last fortnight. So he's we know he's such a good attacking weapon. Um, it just feels like Munster. Munster just feels like that guy that takes things more personally than, say, like a Grant would. Like, he would be he would feel personally responsible for how poor the Storm have been over the past fortnight. And you're just looking at home, with a huge back, 
gets to manage him without Turbo, it just feels like a monster game to me. So you're making great logical points about <laughs> Grant. Um, I just, I just, I've just got a gut feeling that monster is going to go massive in this one, like 120 plus. I, I could see that as well. Um, and certainly, like if it's a week like last week, 120 is a very loopable score because we, you know, didn't get any that were that aside from Selwyn Cobo. So uh, look. I'll, I wouldn't blame anyone for looking at either of them. I think that you could look at both of them because Manly could just be terrible and Munster could carve. Um, likewise, you know, the thing that sticks in my head is how bad those edges can be and how slow that pack can be. And that sort of Harry Grant could just eat that up as well. But either way, I, I think that there's a really good chance that, that Manly get a lot of points put on them this week, um, which brings us to the top spot bet of the week. The Melbourne Storm, seventeen. We can't really bet on that. But, 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 but minus 15 and a half and ninety. I really like that as a bounce back because I think Jerome Hughes really helps them. Manly is obviously going to struggle this week. So minus 15 and a half, I like that. $1.90, get on that one on topsport.com.au. Next game, Panthers versus Cowboys. Cows were really ruthless against my roosters last week, or our roosters, I should say, Armin. Um, but That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a really good game from them because the first 30 minutes was a, a pretty tough 30 minutes, semi-final type of 30 minutes, and then obviously opened up. They're unchanged. 1-24 to 24 squad unchanged is something we haven't seen once this year, I don't think. But the Cows, they have got changes. You know, they were impressive last week against an understrength storm side. But Kyle Feld's out um, with an MCL injury for a few weeks. That brings a hammer in. Um, that also means it's worth mentioning that Reese Robson's been reasonably popular. Jake Granville's on the bench. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And Tom Malolo's out at the moment. So big changes for the Cows. Let's talk about them first. Tom Malolo somehow is more traded out than Tom Trebojevich this week. He's the number one traded out player. I have not seen... Scorn for a player like this for about five years, I reckon. Like, Tomalolo is just copying it. I understand he's out, but he's not out like Tommy Turbo's out. <laughs> he's uh, he's obviously had two bad weeks, right? Last week, he scored a 16, but he did get injured. So, I only played 27 minutes. The week before, he only got 31 minutes because they were drubbing the Tigers and he just didn't get put back on. So, he scored 24 points. He's gone all the way back down to 488,000. He's got a B of 124. It's it's all bad. Playing the Panthers this, Panthers this week, he's going to miss that matchup. Um, but round 13 next week, there is every chance that Tom Lolly gets named. It's a one- to three-week injury. NRL Physio um, has said very well on a couple of his write-ups, and I'm sure he'll talk about it on his podcast this week, that it, it can be back second week. Now, I would hate to sell Tom Lolo if he's going to come back and play you know, 60 minutes against the Titans middle that's going to be heavily reduced because of origin in that buy round, uh, especially when I've probably bought him, potentially a lot of coaches bought him to play in that buy round uh, and are now going to sell him a week before it when he could return. You know, I just think that it's it's really easy just to hold him at the moment. Um, so I understand coaches selling him, but I, I think it just seems to me like there's way too many coaches selling him um, when he was actually scoring pretty well up until the last couple of weeks. And he's also that dual front row forward capability now where you could hold him now if you wanted to, as a bench front row forward for the rest of the season once he comes back. So I'm going to hold till next week. I'm not going to lose any money this week by holding him. So, you know, at worst, maybe I trade him next week if he's not named for round 13. But surely more coaches should want to see whether he's named next week or not, Armin. I don't think I can sum that up any better than you. Like, it's exactly what I would suggest is there's no reason to be selling him this week when he's a chance of playing next week. Just like he's been putting up 24-16 the last two weeks. Surely there's someone else in your squad who can 
get you the same and you hold Tao Malolo. <laughs> Round 13, you can, if your player is fantastic, you roll him out and then you can look to flip him if you're really unhappy with him after that. Or if he's out for Round 13, you can just sell him for another Round 13 player or anyone else that you fancy. I really don't know why people are trading him out this week and I think you've basically nailed it on the head with that one. Yeah, and look, if people are looking at the 124 BE, you know, all the money that he loses in round 13, he'll make up again by the time round 17 rolls around and you can just sell him for the next buy. So, yeah, I'd, I, I'd be trying my best to hold him. In fact, I, I would 100% hold him and see what happens next week. When we're looking at market watching, there's a couple of there's a couple of really easy ones, right? Clear he's the 10th most traded in player. I think a lot of coaches got off him two weeks ago because he was going to drop a lot of money. And, and this is just a few of those coaches binding back. That's fine. Uh, and then a heap of head-to-head coaches maybe that are getting him in for the first time. Cotter at number nine. He's been a very popular buy. I couldn't talk people out of Cotter in saying that. it's He got 57 minutes last week. He got 63 minutes a week before. The real appeal for him was around eight and nine when I, I sort of really liked him. I was like, wow, he's played 80 and 75 minutes. And he's also been named to start a prop in round nine and 10, you know, and since those eight and nine games, he's gone round nine down to 63 minutes, which is a pretty big drop from potentially 80 down to 57 minutes, which is a very big drop again from 80, but he got a late benching against the storm, which was a really big matchup up there. And they put him on the bench. Uh, so he's still at decent minutes, but the minutes that he got to last week, were the reasons why for the first two months of the season, I didn't want to buy him because I sort of thought, you know, if he's getting minutes in the fifties, he's going to be really solid. He's going to be a bit of a plotter though. And he's going to give me, you know, a solid 55 to 62, 63 score. And I, I don't really want to pay for that that much. So I just want to leave him. He's now 580 K arm. And I just don't know whether now's the best time to be buying him. I think that you can probably wait a week and sort of see what Lolo being out is actually going to mean to his minutes, whether he's going to get benched again. You know, because if he gets benched again this week and plays 57 minutes again, I think that that might end up being maybe what's going to happen now and Peyton's decided to change course. And maybe you don't want to spend that sort of money on him when you've got some other options. So I don't think it's a bad purchase. I just think everyone should probably be aware of what's been happening in the last few weeks. Yeah, definitely. He's been absolutely killing it the last month or so, but it's a good point that the minutes have slightly reduced in the past fortnight. Because I think a lot of people would be looking for him for round 13 cover, but there's no guarantee even of that either. He's in origin talk. Queensland do have a lot of middles. I gave it a bit more thought today because I thought he'd be a lock for for origin, but they do have quite a few middles that have been there in the past. So he still might be available for round 13, but yeah, you can wait a week again. His break even is 45, so he's not going to go massively up in price. I can just see the awkwardness for anyone who's looking to sell Chris Randall this week because he's got a high break even. We'll definitely talk about him a bit later, but... You know, going for Cotter this week, it feels a bit uncertain. So I'm personally also in a similar camp where I'm, I would like Cotter. Um, and I would think he probably, would, like over the season, I think he'll be one of those 60 to 65 averaging guys who'll be really solid. Just, yeah, for this week, I'm not sure if he's the best trade-in, but that's no knock on him as a super coach option. It's just the, given the timing with Origin just around the corner, that uncertainty, I can't see maybe him being a great trade this week. Yeah, 100%. And look, we're going to know before those round 13 buy games kick off whether he's in the origin team or not. And that's that's the other big thing. You know, you'd, you'd hate to buy him for, for round 13 cover now. Like if you bought him a month ago, it's fine because you're getting the value out of him for a month. So if he ends up in the origin camp, so be it. But if you buy him the week before the buy round, he ends up in the origin camp and he was your buy cover, that that's going to really hurt. So uh, try and wait a week if you can. 
the fifth most traded in player is a head scratcher for me. So, you know, most of the time, even if I disagree with trade-ins personally, and I wouldn't do it for my team, it, it still makes sense most of the time when I look at market watch. But every now and then, you know, probably a couple times a month, there's a head scratcher. Jeremiah Nanai, fifth most traded in player at the moment, almost $500,000, a BE in the teens granted, but he's now gone, you know, 91, 63 and 50 the last three weeks, but that's included four tries for him to have a three round average of 68. Base is still only a base of 35. And he showed that the last few weeks where he had a base of 43 last week, 34 the week before and 29 base the week before that, which is why he only got 50 with a try. 500,000, I don't understand it really, Armin. So I'm just going to pass over to you. He's playing the Penrith Panthers, best team in the comp, in my opinion. Probably going to do the Cowboys in and be a really tough game following a storm victory. Uh, I I do not see this trade-in at all. Uh, I don't, I don't. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Like, I'm just looking at his scores here as well. He's had three scores where he scored over 60 points so far this season. So that's three scores out of 11. Um, and to get to 60, he's had to score at least one try in every one of those games. So you can't rely him to be a consistent, you know, 60. Like, I kind of see 60, 65 points as my benchmark for, like, what I would consider a gun or a season keeper. He's not quite at that level, and if the guy has to get tries to get to that level as an edge back rower, granted he's playing in a good team, but he's not, like, that kind of player is just not really for me. Like, I'm, I prefer those plotters. Like, you know, 30K more, you can get a, um, a McInnes, who's you know is going to knock out 60 65 in his sleep you just never have to worry about him so like nanai just you can't i can't play him with confidence if i had him in my team and you, when you're really reliant on those attacking stats like he scored so many tries so far this year uh i, I can't get my head around it there's absolutely no way if you're a head-to-head player not playing the buyers that you should buy him there's no argument at all if you're a overall player and you're looking to buy him there's a lot there's there's guys that are within 100k of him up in like a kick out or someone like that that's scored far better than him. And there's guys that are $100,000 cheaper, like a Nat Butcher, who are going to be a buy-around player, are going to score around about the same average as him with his 56 points a game. And then the kicker is with, with someone like Nat Butcher, you've got a guy that's actually low price that's going to make money. So I think for the buy-around, you want to look at guys that are either guns that you're going to be able to keep uh, or guys that are actually going to make you money and cover the buy like a butcher. Those are your two ultimates for me. And he fits neither of those narratives. So oh, I don't, I would really be rethinking uh, getting Nanai in even as a, as a run player, you know, Panthers this week, he could go terrible. Um, Titans, Dragons. Yeah. Good couple of weeks after that, but yeah. Can't get my head around that one. Let's just move on. When we're talking about some other players of interest, the hammer's been named. So obviously we've felt out for a few weeks. Um, the Hammers back. He spent the first month playing fullback, got injured, lost his job to drink water as he should have because drink water has been awesome. The last four weeks, he's been playing low minutes. Um, on the weekend, he actually got on and got to play 64 minutes a game uh, for the game and he only scored 12 points. So that probably tells you, you know, where his uh, floor is at. On the opposite, in round eight in his return game, he only managed to play 14 minutes off the bench and scored 64 so he is a guy that's very much rocks of diamonds. Uh, but I think the thing with him that makes him interesting is there's a dual center wing fullback that's only 280,000. It's going to play around 13 and probably going to get three weeks starting on the wing. 
He's got a 56 BE and he's playing the Panthers this week. So certainly I wouldn't buy him this week, but I, I'll be watching with interest this week. I think he's a player of interest to watch as a pod and someone that you can look at at maybe, you know, 270 odd thousand for the buy next week as a downgrade and someone that could actually make some money and you could sell off because starting on the wing versus the Titans and the Dragons the following couple of weeks for someone that's a prolific try scorer like him, you know, he, he could get a couple of quick tries and be around 17 sell for maybe even a hundred thousand and, and give you some decent points for round 13. Yeah. I, I will admit I have not really considered the hammer just mainly because he's been coming off the bench since he was off from injury, but that's a good point. I, yeah, I agree against the Panthers. You don't really need a player like hammer this week when he's just such a low base player as well. But when you've got round 13 against the Titans, and the Cowboys are in form, you could view that as a nice pod play to get yourself a cover in that week who can maybe go big. Um, and then the Dragons straight after that as well. So, yeah, definitely I, I like that shout actually as a pod. Give it a week and then maybe decide if in round 13 you maybe want to take a, you know, get rid of some more of your dead wood like your task, um, you know, some of those guys that we were talking about previously and may, maybe go for a hammer. Yeah, don't mind that as a shout. Yeah, I'd like to watch this week and see how he goes. Um, but it, it, it is... You know, the adage that we mentioned a little while ago that everyone's got their price they get to where they become value and, you know, 270-odd thousand, he's going to become that pretty soon. Billy Kickow. Uh, now, he's not been mentioned as much as what I thought the last week or two as by cover. He's playing the Cowboys this week, which is where he got poached from to go to the Penrith Panthers. Uh, obviously, the Cowboys, one of the top defensive teams in the league, um, held the storm to 12 points last week. Going great, but this is out at Penrith. Uh, the Cowboys are without multiple players, including Tom Malolo. You could argue it's going to be a, a potentially good game for the Penrith Panthers. I really like Kikau against the Cowboys' edge this week. I think he could go really well. There is only five opposition that Kikau's got high scores as tons, and the Cowboys is actually one of them. His fourth best score is against the Cowboys. Now, after the Cowboys obviously hits the dogs in the buy round, which is a pretty premium one, and then the Knights and then the Warriors. So this is where Penrith's good run of games actually starts for me because I think that the Cowboys are going to be a bit under strength for this one. So I I mentioned, you know, people buying Jeremiah and I spend an extra 100000 just get kick out in because he is one of those guys averaging 65 points a game this year that you could just leave. And he is playing 80 minutes a game this year. So to me, I, I'm actually going to, try and buy him um, this week. And if I can't get him this week, I'll buy him next week. And that's my view to buy him, play him for round 13, and then just hold him for the rest of the season and not bother burning another trade on him. No, I really like Kikau as well. I I typically don't like Kikau because of that rollercoaster nature of his points. He's inconsistent. But this year, it's a bit of a different story. So I think of the 11 weeks, like seven of his 11 scores so far this season have been above 66 points. So he's been more good than bad. And um, it seems like just on the eye test, like the Panthers just, obviously we know that they're clicking in attack, but they they do like going down that left side. But I feel like Kikau is being used more than attacking outlet. And like a 65 average when he's only scored four tries this year is a really good sign in my opinion. Like he's not just getting points from like, you know, running over for tries. He's getting involved in the attack, getting try assists, line break assists of that kind. And that three-game stretch from 13, Bulldogs, Newcastle, and the Warriors, I think those are the three best teams that you converse for an attacking player. And I view Kikau as an attacking player, given that he plays on the edge. And then it's the, and like with the Panthers, you just know that they can towel it up against any team. And the only other team that I would say is at their level is Melbourne. That's in round 22. 
So you can definitely view him as a season keeper. So even I'm thinking next week, maybe doing Isaiah Yo to kick out. It seems sideways, but I know kick out will play big minutes. He's playing 80 minutes um, ever since like round five. And I know that I can get those highest scores from him. So yeah, I, I really like the kick out trade. And I, yeah, like I definitely prefer that to say like a Nanai. Yeah. And he's bucked, he's bucked some of the numbers trends of the past, which you mentioned some of, but you know, 64% of his games are 60 plus this year. And he's not come close to that. Like when you talk about last year, it was 35% of his games were 60 plus. The year before, 47%. The year before, 39%. He's never been this consistent in giving you 60 plus scores. And he's also never been this consistent in not giving you low scores because he's only got two out of his 11 games that are in the 30s. If you look at the comparative years, you know, when he's halfway through a season, he's normally got at least three or four of those sort of games. So He's definitely turned a corner this year. Maybe it's because he's leaving and he's sort of putting in a, a big effort as well because you mentioned he hasn't scored that many tries. Uh, this is a really golden run for the Panthers the next month. I really like it. So uh, kick out 100%. It will be in my side either this week or next. Uh, when we're talking about head-to-head players, you know, there's a lot of people that just aren't going to be interested in the buy or not care about it, and they're not going to care about origin. And if you're one of those people, you know, this is the Penrith Panthers' good month of footy. Brian Toto is now 582,000 and he's got 121 BE. So maybe you don't jump on this week, but I tell you what, like if you if you really needed a center wing to play this week, and like some people are going to be in the boat armor, like I've seen so many teams in the last couple of weeks that are just bare bones teams where it's like anyone that I trade, I need to be able to get a gun in to be able to play because I'm not going to have a competitive enough 17. You could make the argument that if you think that Toto might score an 80 or 90, point game, then it doesn't really matter about the 20K that he could drop. Uh, you can just argue that 582,000 is still value for him and get him in if you're a head-to-head player. But he's going to be a massive pod because obviously overall players aren't going to be trading him in at the moment. And yeah, he's not going to play around 13 with that, that Bulldogs game, but he's someone who's very likely to back up. And he plays the Knights and the Warriors in round 14 and 15, which are stellar games for him. If you wait until after the buy, that's fine. Watch him this week. You're probably going to get him round 14 for maybe even 550,000. So, head to head players, you could just jump on him now as a massive pot, I reckon. But he's obviously only scored 45 points a game so far this year. It included an injury affected game, but he's only scored, he's only played five of them. So, now we get a huge discount on him. Not many people are talking about Brian Tyo Armin, and that's probably because everyone's looking towards the buy. But again, head to head players, you know, it's, start, it's time to start considering this guy. Uh, these these are the best type of pods. It's the fallen gun who's kind of just come back from injury. Like I think everyone will eventually get try to get Toto in their team, but when you can even just get him for like one or two games ahead of everyone else, that's when you can really bank those points. Now my issue with only slight issue with Toto is that being on the right, it just doesn't seem like I think he's going to have as good of a season as what he did last year because I think the left side for the Panthers is yep, their 100%. money side. Like, don't get me wrong, they'll score many, They'll score enough points that Toto will get his attacking returns. It's just the thing that you won't maybe get as consistently like those 100-plus scores. His base has been down the past couple of weeks as well. It was 27 against the Roosters and Melbourne, but those two opposition in themselves kind of can help you see why the base would be lower, the two top teams. Because um, the week before that against Parramatta, he had a base of 51, which is ridiculous for a centre wing. Um so I really like him as a trade in around 14. Definitely will eye him up then because, yeah, Knights and Warriors, two fantastic games. And then you, again, season keeper. So vice captaincy and captaincy for this one. Look, it's obviously Nathan Cleary, but I have to say that I'm really 
suspect on doing a, a VC on him because I think that it's a round where there's not great captains. So I re, I, I'm just going to put the C on him myself. But if people think that they've got a good captaincy option later in the round, then sure, VC could work. But the thing is that he's scoring really well without being loopable. Like three of his last four scores have been 84 to 88 points, which is a captain you'd take, especially with some of those low-scoring rounds. Uh, and this is potentially a, a better matchup than some of those. Like the last three games, he's had the Roosters, the Storm and the Eels, and they they're, they were pretty hard games, or at least our Roosters were for the first half. I really feel like this is a really good Nathan Cleary game. So I'm, I'm actually looking at the C on him. 90% it's going to be there, but you need to look at the fact that the last six games, he's only scored below 84 points once and he scored 150 plus twice in his last six. Now, he might not throw 150 down, but it's very unlikely that he's going to do a sub-80 game. So that's a really safe captaincy option that's got a really high upside in a round where I don't think there's a lot of good high upside captaincies. So I'm all over Cleary this week for the captaincy, Armin. No, 100%. Captain Cleary is very consistent. Um going to get you 80 points usually as a floor, which is just when you say that out loud, it's um it's just great to know that your captain is going to get you minimum like 80 points, you'd think, with the upside of 120, 130. So, yeah, I think a VC on like a Storms player, as we discussed, and then a Captain Cleary probably would be the combination I would go to. Top sport, better the round, no secret that I'm all over the Panthers. Dollar twenty-two, I reckon, is pretty good money for them, to be honest, even though it's short odds. But you can get minus 9.5 points and get a dollar seventy-one, which... Pretty safe bet. I reckon they're going to win 10 plus and $1.71 is not bad odds for that one. Queensland Derby is the next one. We've got the Broncos and the Titans. Huge game. Big news. Adam Reynolds is still out. That's going to be massive for the Broncos. They got the win last week in controversial circumstances. Whether they can do it again against the Titans down the road, going to have to see. But for the Titans, Fafida is in the extended bench. So that's going to be really interesting. He's also got a huge BE. So he could potentially be from round 14, you know, getting towards that 600K mark and he's going to be a potential buy soon. Looking at this game, Armin, market watch, Broncos, second most trading in player, Selwyn Cobo. I'm going to be super controversial here. So we're going to get something that you're going to disagree with me on potentially. I understand how good Cobo has looked lately. Uh, he scored 131 points and was fantastic against the Knights. 79 the week before, 85 the week before. Three round average of 98 points. Basically a great month for Selwyn Cobbo. The first two months, though, just to temper expectations, were not good at all. And the last three weeks, he's managed to score two doubles and one hat-trick. So is that going to keep happening? Probably not. But the Titans aren't very good either. So I'm not going to say he can't score a double or a hat-trick this week. But buying him is the big thing. He's got a minus 17-odd break-even. That's fine. He's going to make a little bit of money, but that break even is not that big when you consider he's got an 85, 79, and 131 as his three-round average. 574,000. To me, it's like you're doing backflips. You're so happy if you've owned Selwyn Cobo the last few weeks. Even if you bought him in a couple of weeks ago at 472,000, you'd be ecstatic. Bring him in now at 574,000 when he's not going to play round 13 as well. Even if you're a head-to-head player, you know, yeah, Titans, but then he's got the next week off. I don't, I don't love it. Yeah. Oh, me and Cobbo, for any listeners out there, me and Cobbo have had a toxic relationship, I think, so far this season. So I didn't have him in round one. And then I really liked what I saw. And I saw the Bulldogs, Cowboys, and Warriors rounds two to four. And I thought, brilliant, I'm getting on him. 
So I play him for 20, 22, 22, and I think, okay, that's fine. I'll hold him until the Bulldogs game in round seven where he goes to 82. Then Isaiah Tass comes along, and I thought, okay, great. Here's my chance to exit Cobo. Thank you for some points, <laughs> but mainly the low ones. Let me sell you for Tass, make some money. We all know Tass has completely flopped, and since then, Cobo has gone 85, 79, 131, and I'm licking my wounds selling him. And so it's been really, like, so any views I have about Cobo is going to come with a bit of bias, where, like, I don't think he's a buy this week, despite the good matchup. Because 570k, in my when I start seeing that price, I think of a keeper at that price. Like, is he a season keeper? Mm-hmm. I don't see him as a season keeper. He's kind of got that Xavier Coates mold where, you know, if he doesn't score a try, he's going to get you a nothing. I think the Broncos are just in a really good patch of form at the moment. They do have the the Titans and then the the Raiders in round 14, which is a nice two-game stretch there. But I can't go out and buy him. I think I'd be looking elsewhere. Like we kind of spoke about at the beginning of the podcast as well about, you know, chasing those 100-plus scores. They don't come along that often, especially this season. So the chances of him replicating that, look, against Titans, it could be on the cards. I I can't do it, though. I think congrats to any owners. Um, You're all better men than me for holding him. Um, I, I I can't do it though. Yeah, I think it's just way too expensive to be buying in on him now. Like I, and don't get me wrong, like I don't think he's a bad super cage player, everyone. But you know, you had to have already owned him. You you can't you can't do it now. If you're looking at him as a keeper, look at his first two months of scores, uh, and also consider that the Broncos themselves, as a draw, hasn't haven't played Melbourne yet. They've got Melbourne twice more. They've got the Eels twice more. And they've got the Roosters once. So it, it's not a fantastic, you know, final half of games for them. I'd say half of their games are, are pretty difficult ones for them. Yeah, I think people are trying to chase points here. Uh, and I will make the point that I don't want to discount his 131 from last week. But at, until the 68th minute, it wasn't a fantastic score. It would have been his lowest score in three weeks. The 68th minute, he went over for a try. And then he went over for another junk time try with four minutes to go. Let's move along. Uh, other ones in this one that are interesting when we're looking at BEs, this is a real dirty one, but i tell you what, I know that Wilford had a look at it, so I can't be too far off. Jared Wallace scored a double on the weekend and he's not a noted try scorer, Jared Wallace, but he is someone who is 388,000 as a front row forward that is going to play around 13 that now has a minus 33 BE. And again, when we're looking at those indicators for me, you know, Jared Wallace isn't a keeper. He's not someone that I want in my side, but he is someone that's cheap and has a pretty big negative break even. So he will make money and cover the buy. So I can trade him out later for a profit, at least with that cover. When you have a look at what he's done the last couple of weeks, so it's, it's quite startling. Yes, he got the double last week, but he also scored a try the week before. That's obviously not going to keep happening, but 82 and 80 points the last two weeks is what people will look at. The biggest thing for me is that he's averaged 49 minutes a game. And that's a big deal because he hasn't started um, or played big minutes for the Titans at all. But he's actually played really well the last two weeks. And if he can get, you know, 48, 49 minutes a game, he's still going to score in the 50s. And for a 388,000 guy with a minus 33 BE, with an 80 and 82 in his rolling, going to play the bye. It's not the worst. So I never in my wildest dreams, Armin, thought that I would ever be looking at Jared Wallace, let alone round 12 of the super coach season. But here we are. I actually had a look at him and I've actually thought about it. I don't think I'm going to do it, but it bears mentioning. 
I think it just shows you how poor the front row forward position is. I was having a look at this earlier. I think in front row forward, there's only three legitimate players who've averaged over 60 so far this season. There is Molo, who just played the one game so far, but like front row forward is a dead spot. So I don't generally try to, I'm trying to avoid using trades there if I can. Like Wallace is definitely one of those guys you bring in, make cash, and then trade out again. So again, I feel like it comes down to whether you've got the trades to be able to do that, especially at front row forward where the upside is really not that high. So it's dirty, as you say. I don't think I would be going there. But look, I think it seems like the theme of the podcast. Everyone gets to a price where you have to start paying attention. It could be that. I love the fact that when he scored those two tries, he didn't know what to do with himself. You know, these front row forwards, they never really score that many tries. <laughs> but um, no, I, look, I, 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 pers- I, I can't go out and recommending Jared Wallace. But, you know, anyone who loves a cheeky pod, maybe a head-to-head player, just wants to go chase some, some pods. Yeah, why not? Go for someone like a Jad Wallace. I tell you, there's um, some people that are going to be desperate because they're going to have a team like mine. So I actually have TPJ and Tom Malolo as my front row forwards, and my only active uh, bench player is Andrew Fafita. So oh. I have to because I've I've not wanted to do anything at front row forward, you know, at all. And like Tom Malolo was my second row forward. As soon as I could move him up to front row, I did because again, I don't want to spend there. Um, and it's just, I have to play a front row forward this week, and I, I've got Tom Malolo there as my starter, so I have to buy someone. So that's a bit of context where, you know, a lot of the time it can be team-specific, and, like, for my team, I don't want to spend at front row forward. I do want to play the buy hard, and there isn't anyone to buy. So <laughs> it's uh, it's a bit of a tough one because those are the sort of circumstances where you look at someone like a Jared Wallace I don't think he's great, but maybe for one or two percent of coaches, it could actually work out. Like if you don't have anything to spend, like me, and you just want to go dirty there for a few weeks, it's it might be okay. If you can average fifty for the next three weeks, you've actually won pretty well on that trade. Uh, let's move along. There isn't a huge amount of interest in this one, Armin. So I don't think that you're going to vice captain or captain anyone. Like surely, if you own someone, Cobo. You're not going to see him, but you could say, you know, when you're looking at those far out pods for a VC option, you could say, look, the Titans are pretty bad. Adam Reynolds out last week didn't make much difference. If you think you can go 133 again, maybe a, a complete pod VC on a, a Selwyn Cobo is the way to sort of gain some ground. Yeah, I think as long as you've got a suitable captaincy option later in the round, that's more of a safe one that you can bank on. Then, yeah, a VC, like maybe a Katoni Staggs or a Selwyn Cobber, I'd be looking at one of those outside backs just for that potential upside with your VC. Maybe you can do that. But outside of that, like it's tough. It's a tough week this week with Melbourne and the Panthers playing pretty early in the week. So it really depends on you being able to have a good fallback for a safe C later. But no, I think, yeah, VC on a Cobber Staggs for an upside player could be on. Yep. Yeah, uh, I think it's really it's really not great that Cleary's playing before them. Uh, I, I don't think that you really want to miss Cleary, so that probably puts a nail in that that idea. But top what better the week for this one. Uh, look, Titans are $2.75 outsiders. Tell you what, I'm going to take the plus 10.5 line. Call me crazy. I'm going to get $1.75 for that on top sport. And I think that the Adam Reynolds honeymoon is over as far as Adam Reynolds being out and the Broncos winning. I think the Titans will put up a lot more of a fight. Next game is the Warriors and the Knights. This one is not quite the blockbuster that we'd want mid-round. So we're going to go through this one pretty quickly. Randall is the third most traded out. Got to get him out. Interesting eighth most traded in player. I wanted to mention this guy last week, Armin, but like always happens on this podcast, you know, people say to me, oh, 
you didn't talk about such and such or you didn't mention this guy. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I actually talked about him, but I had to cut some of it out because I can't post a three-hour podcast. And, you know, inadvertently, we just can't talk about everyone. I wanted to talk about Sean Johnson last week because Sean Johnson got to a price where I went, he has been terrible this year, but Jesus, if I can buy Sean Johnson for 300K and he's playing the buy round, that's starting to get a little bit juicy. Of course, he went 56 points in round 10 and then he came out and went 96 points against the Dragons on the weekend, scoring his first try of the season. Now has a three-round average of 60 points at 368,000 and a minus 28 break-even. Uh, look, playing the Knights this week, really good matchup. Playing Manly, not just without Turbo, but also without DC in the buy round, another good matchup. It's an interesting trade for people that still own Ilias because they can go almost straight to a Sean Johnson. But you know, the thing that's holding me back on this one, Armin, is I'm not going to begrudge anyone for taking a punt but he just scored so badly before the last two weeks. It's it's a bit of a risk to hope that he's going to score better. And the Warriors have lost a, a couple of big middle forwards now in Lodge and uh, Fenua Blake, and those are the big changes for their side. And because of that, you know, their backs might struggle on the back of that forward pack. And the biggest thing is at 368K, it's not near as impressive as two weeks ago at 302,000. Yeah, no, I look, I know, I don't mind that Ilias swap actually that's not a bad shout but yeah like you just have to look at those scores before the the last two weeks 29 24 21 15 34 do you really want that in your 5-8 position especially if you're looking to play him like I know you'll cover the buy and you will make some money with that negative break even but just on the eye test he's not even passing that like you know his passes are going to ground like it's, it's all off and then losing Lodge and Fennel Blake I think will impact the, the Warriors quite a bit so like, I know the price is appealing. Oh, I, I feel like I'm coming across very negative in this podcast, not liking anyone, but um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> no, a big fan of the one. one. <laughs> There's a lot of weird trades this week. It's okay. Yeah. No, it's it, It's just, I think the next two weeks are, are good matchups and you've got the negative break even. So I don't think you can go badly. Like, you could make 100000 and sell him in a couple of weeks and get some buy cover. I think that you just got to be aware that there's a there is a realm of possibility that he could score forty five and forty five the next two weeks, make you fifty thousand, and then you're going to burn another trade to get him out. You know, it's and it's not going to feel great. You know, if you're happy not to feel great, that's all right because it's going to happen to you at least a dozen times in the Supercoach season, maybe more. So if he's going to be one of them, you know, it's not the worst the worst thing. Just know what could be coming and know that you're going to be burning a trade in the next couple of weeks. One of the interesting changes that they've made, now with those two props out, I'm suddenly very interested in another hooker that isn't Brandon Smith that I can plug in for a buy round, and that is Jazz Tavanga. Tavanga is starting at prop. That uh, is interesting in itself, but it shows how light they are, but it also has pretty good job security for his minutes. So one of the things with Jazz is that he often finds himself on the bench, um, certainly the first month of the season before he got hurt, uh, he was on the bench in playing low minutes. But the last few weeks, he's been going a lot better. So the last month of footy, he started, um, played decent minutes, and now he's got a three-round average of 68 and a five-round of 61. He's always been a potential gun. He just kept getting hurt, suspended, benched. Versatility ended up killing him. But I'm looking at this Warriors side arm and going, wow, they're just so short now in their middle forwards. And three months for Neil Blake is out. He's not coming back this season until right at the end. 
uh, and Lodge is released. He's not coming back at all. Their bench has a, a bench hooker that's normally a 20-minute player and then two middles. You know, it's it just screams like Tavanga needs some attention. 525000 it's, you know, less than 100000 from a Randall to a Tavanga. He's going to cover 13, who if he keeps starting at those type of minutes, at 52-plus minutes, he's going to sort of score 60-plus points. And when you look at his past scores... You know, so far this season, he's got five games where he's played 52-plus minutes and he scored 68 points per game. And if you go back to uh, 2021, he had nine games where he scored 52-plus minutes for an average of 63. So he's going to be in that 63 to 68 type of range, provided he's getting, you know, that 52-plus minutes. And realistically, he could easily get 60-plus minutes, in which case maybe his scores will be even better. So I'm really talked myself into since TLT got released Jazz Tavanga because of Randall being there for me. And I'd rather put someone like him in than someone like Brandon Smith. That's a bit of a spot gap, stop gap for later in the rounds and then have to sell again. I feel like Tavanga, I can keep there. And if something ends up coming up in hooker that I really like, I can always move him to second row forward. Like I could with Brandon Smith as well. It's just that I'm going to have to pay a lot more money for Jazz, but He's always a pod. He's going to play around 13 and he's a good chance of giving me 65 points and being very playable. So I'm pretty talked into him this week. Yeah, look, I had a very close look at Jazz Tavanga as well myself this week. I'm just looking at that lineup for the Warriors thinking it's surely it's got to change on game day. It just looks very strange with Tavanga at prop when he's normally a um, a lock or a, a hooker. Like potentially I'm looking at maybe, I don't know, if Dynamis Louis, maybe they brought him in, maybe comes in into the 17, comes in on that prop position. Maybe Tavanga goes hooker. I'm just trying to figure out what the minutes situation could be like for him because yeah, you've you've already referenced it there. He is a PPM machine where if he it's always a question with him if he gets the minutes, because if he does, he is a great option. Averages around sixty plus. I'm just not sure about the minute situation. I like I think maybe I just need to do more some more digging into it. Um and you've you've put up a pretty convincing argument there, I must say. You've got me rethinking my potential trades now as well. Um uh, but yeah, no, I think Tavanga is a shout and um He's good for Supercoach because he also does have an offload on him. Like, I haven't seen it as much this season, but you know the players that offload in Supercoach are gold, and he is one of those guys who just, every time he runs the ball, just loves to pop it out the back as well. So, no, I, I don't mind Tavanga as a nice pod, and if you are going hard on the bye weeks, probably is a decent option in that case. Yeah, one of the things with him too, look, I think what will end up happening is Tohu Harris can move to 13, and Katoa can come on off the bench and play on that edge, and that's probably what they're going to do, um, and that's going to leave at the moment Bunty and Penne as being the front rowers. Maybe they do bring in um, Dynamis, but uh, the good thing for Tavanga is he's playing the Knights. So if you are one of those Randall owners, you can wait until this game to, to flick the switch on that trade. So you'll know what that lineup is and if he's gotten benched or not before that actually kicks off. And then you can just hold Randall if you have to, or you can make a trade to someone else um, later in the round if there was any other options that you had. So... Uh, not not the worst with them playing each other. It gives you a bit of breathing room and you can sort of see it before you have to flip the switch and do it. Um, Tohu, I just mentioned, he's obviously back. Uh, a lot of people are talking about him because in the past he's been a premium buy option. He's named on the edge. Um, I expected he's going to go to 13 because that's just what ends up happening. Uh, he played 70 minutes last week, which is a big uptick from his 30 minutes in his return game in round 10. Uh, scored 56 points in his 70 minutes, 54 in raw base and... The 54 on raw base is really what you want to get on Tohu for, those base games that he gets. 109 break even 
601,000. You wouldn't buy him this week at all, but, you know, if he ends up scoring, you know, a solid 60 this week, and especially if we see his minutes 70 plus again, next week at the sort of 550 to 570 range, that's going to be an okay purchase to make. I just say to people, don't buy him this week. Yeah, no, I agree. High break even, you can afford to wait another week on it and um, see what his minutes look like with this whole different rotation with the the lack of Lodge and Fennel Blake. Um, but no, debt, like we know, is an absolute gun of the past. So you always feel comfortable going to who's like a he's like a safety net that you just plug in your second or forward and just bumps out like 65 each week. I mentioned David Clemmer a couple of weeks ago. I've just... I'm not going to go through the numbers too much. I just got to give a shout out. Four weeks in a row was 70 plus as a front row forward. 76, 72, 70, 71 points. 600,000 now. So not the buy that he was at 560,000 a couple of weeks ago. But for those that are stuck in a spot like I am, that don't that um, maybe have traded out Haas and don't want to get him in at the moment with his minutes slow and, and need another option at front row forward, Honestly, outside of IPAP and Haas, all of a sudden David Klemmer has sort of become that next tier guy for front row forwards. So against the Warriors, you know, we already spoke about they've got a small pack that they've named. It's heavily reduced in the middle. He could easily go 70 plus again this week and I'd back him to do it. So five round average of uh, 67, three round average of 71. He's been rock solid as a buy and he's really surprised me in the last month, Armin. Yeah, for sure. Like the minutes were a little bit lower last week. I guess I wanted to see what it would be like with the return of Frizzell, Barnett, Fitzgibbon, just basically nice getting their original forward pack together. But what I do like about Clemmer, especially, he is offloading. We were just talking about a little bit before with Jazz. He is definitely offloading more, which which he didn't do last season, but the season before, I think in 2020, when it averaged like 67, he was offloading a lot. So I feel like with that back in his locker, he's back to that status of being a genuine front row forward gun. And like he's one of the three front row forwards apart from IPAP and Haas who are averaging 60 plus. So I think we have to consider him as a season keeper um, if he keeps pumping out numbers like this. So yeah, it looks, he looks a great buy if you need a front row forward and you just want to lock in someone who looks like he's just going to pump out 65, 70 a week. I think Clem is fantastic for that. Because he's kind of already gotten expensive, I've actually got him um, penciled in for a look at round 16 because with Clemmer, He's going to play the round 17 by, but you want to make sure he doesn't get in that origin team. And look, he's probably unlikely for origin one, but if any of those props get injured, he's probably the next guy up. Uh, so he's going to be a good wait until sort of round 16, I reckon. And at that point, he's one of those guys you can buy and be able to hold for the season as a rotation front row forward in Supercoach. So that's where I'm looking towards him. Look, I don't think there's any captain or vice-captaincy options in this one. Uh, I do need to take a quick break to mention the fantastic sponsor of the NRL All-Stars podcast in TopSport. TopSport.com.au you can go to or you can download the app, which is really easy to use. TopSport are a 100% Australian-owned bookmaker. If you haven't heard of them before, they've often got some of the best odds in market, not just in sport, but also in racing. Also have some player performance markets, which is basically like playing fantasy sports with your bookie. They set up these lines of of points and over and unders with some really easy stats that you can look up. They're all based on the NRL.com stats as well, so they're really easy to see. And you can bet on whether Keaty's going to score over 45.5 points or under and get really good odds on that, normally at a $1.90 to $2 price range. So topsport.com.au, if you like having a bet and you haven't had a look at them, 
get on, but make sure if you're creating an account with them that you use our promo code for this podcast. It is SC All Stars, all one word. Create an account with them today with that promo code. Then they'll know that you're one of our listeners. They'll take great care of you, but obviously gamble responsibly if you are going to have a punt, but topsport.com.au, go get on them today. The next one that we've got after that Warriors Knights blockbuster is another one of the... The Rabbits and the Tigers, which I don't think we're going to say is, is going to be high quality based on how these two are going. But the big news is that Cameron Murray is back. And then on the Tigers side, Luke Brooks and Dane Laurie are back, which is pretty big for them as well. So I don't think this is going to have heaps of super coach implications in this one at the moment. So we're going to be pretty quick on the Souths and Tigers one. Tuolangi is the fourth most traded out player. He absolutely has to go. Uh, and then we've got this Souths trio at seven, eight and nine. Tass, Taff, and Ilias. Now, I traded Ilias to Burton last week, and I was really happy with that trade. I think there's a lot of trades that you could do Ilias to at the moment. Taff, you could probably afford to wait on. Tass is interesting because Tass actually has a pretty decent um, break even, but he needs to break back into the side. You'd assume that he's possibly going to play around 17, so he might have some value. I'm going to guess that uh, maybe a lot of people that are trading Tass out uh, doing it to get Karaz in, which looks like a pretty popular trade at the moment. Um, I do like to try and hold people like Tass who do have a negative break even because they just have to step back on the park to start making money again. And they do play round 17 because even though they might not be playing round 13 if it was a buy team, um, they might they might get a game later on. So what, how, what's your take on those three? And certainly for Tass, would you try and be holding him? Yeah, so I think just quickly touching on Ilias, I think he's fine to sell. You know, at that position where you've got genuine upside guys at 5'8", you really want to be not having too many of those kind of positions filled up. So, yeah, Ilias, I think, is a fine trade-out. Um, honestly, even to someone like at Hastings, he's been doing really well. Like, if you are looking at the same game, you could go to someone like Hastings. Um, otherwise, you mentioned SJ previously, uh, or even just try to find the money if you're going to do a downgrade to Carras to trade up to your likes of your... Um, your Dylan Brown or those kind of other gun five eights, maybe a Burton. Tass is an interesting one. So I'm looking to hold Tass this week, not because I think he's just going to be a fantastic option moving forward. It's more of what you mentioned with, if there's just like maybe one or two injuries potentially with that Rabbitohs team, then we know he can get back in and he can start making money again. Taff, I'm looking at maybe selling this week. I agree he doesn't have to go this week because I think his break-even is around 32 and it's still a decent matchup on paper. It's just the fact that I can also get to Karaz with Taff um, via duels. So that feels like a nice downgrade where I'm losing Taff, who's not going to cover round 13. Latrell, I think, is due back around round 15. Now, Taff will play round 17 because you'd expect if Latrell's fit, he'll play at Origin. But Taff is going to be, he's got more limited time left, I think. He's probably just about peaked in price. And if, like, I, like I'm in particular going for a downgrade, but if you're going up, to someone like a Moses we'll talk about later. You know, one of those higher upside players in that halfback spot. I really like that trade because I don't see Taff as being one of those guys who's got that upside. I think his top score so far this year is 67, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't mind him as a, as a downgrade just because of that position that he's filling. And, um, like, I don't mind going to Karaz. Like, I, as you can kind of tell, I'm prioritizing Taff over Taff to trade out for Karaz just as a bit of a value thing as well where Taff is around the 400K Tass is still relatively cheap at bottom dollar. So I just hope that he can make some more money eventually. Yeah, for sure. And I'd prioritize it the same. Um, I, like I will say, like I think Ilias is the easy trade out of the three. Uh, and I'll also say like there is there is a lot of good arguments to hold Taff if you can because Taff 
I would play against the Tigers if I owned him. I sold him to Turbo, but I would play Taff if I owned him against the Tigers. So he's very playable this week. Uh, and like Armin mentioned, you know, round 17 isn't that far off after you get through the next couple of weeks. You know, he's going to be a play against the Titans in round 14 for me. If I owned him in round 15 and Latrell wasn't named, I'd play him against the Dragons. You know, he's, he's going to be a pretty good player because South still have that really good draw. And then he's going to play round 17 regardless of Latrell being back or not. So I think the thing that kills Taff is the fact that he's halfback, fullback. Those positions are really important to fill with good players. There's a lot of options. I just wouldn't be going a, a Taff to an SJ or something like that. Like if you're doing something like that, pull back and don't do it because Taff's going to be just as playable, more so probably. And, you know, you're not going to get the round 13 cover, but you can get that elsewhere in your spots. So just have a bit, a bit of a think through with your specific team on Taff going out. Other options in this one to talk about. Peoples is the third most trading player. I'm just going to completely wipe that one off my mind. I'm going to hope that all these people realize that Peoples has been killed as an option um, with Murray back. But there's an interesting player of interest here. So um, we mentioned briefly, all, all the dual positions have been updated for round 12 now. And one of the guys that got updated was Garner from the Tigers. I actually looked at him last week and went, oh, wow, you know, Garner is only 340000 I'd really like to get on, but, you know, you can't use two boosts at once and I just don't have the trades to do it. So I just didn't do it. But 340,000 he was last week, scored 65 against... Uh, in round 10, he was 340,000, scored 65 against the Cowboys. And last week against the Bulldogs, he scored 84 points and is now $408,000. So all of a sudden, three-round average of 69 points, five round average is uh, 54 points, minus 12 break even, and he's 408,000. But, you know, the big thing is that now you can put that second row forward into your centre wing. 400,000 guy as an 80-minute edge back row in your centre wing that's going to be there around 17 as cover. You know, it's really interesting because he's actually played really well the last few weeks, obviously scoring tries, but they've got a pretty good run of games coming. South's edges aren't that great. Uh, then they've got Manly, who are going to be out of strength, obviously, Bulldogs, and then the Warriors. So the next month of footy is pretty good. And then round 17 looks hard against the Eels, but the Eels are going to have some origin players out potentially. It, it, it's, a, it's a real potty sort of play for Garner, and I'd rather buy him at 340000 But he is an option, I think, for people to have a look at as a, as a big pod, and certainly for draft. If you can get a hold of him in draft, he's going to be fantastic. Yeah, look, he's, yeah, as you said, last three games he scored a try, so he's really bumped up his scores because he's not really that base type of player. Although last week he scored 49 points in base, which is honestly like extremely high for an edge back rower. So that's a really encouraging sign. He is in good form. Um, the duel does really help out as well. And yeah, I'm looking at that draw. There's nothing really that concerns you until at least round 18 when they're versing the Panthers. But apart from that, um, obviously he doesn't play the bye week, but yeah, it could be one of those handy pods that you go for just to kind of have that idea that you hold until around round 18 to cover the buy and then you then flip him to your um, more genuine season keeper. So again, I think if you've got the trades to make that work, I think the Tigers seem to be in a decent spot at the moment. They seem to turn, have turned things around. I think the return of uh, Brooks and Laurie does help them just overall as a team as well. So that might only just mean even better things for Garner. So yeah, I, I, don't, I can't really fault the decision to bring him in. Like I don't think I'll do it personally, but um, you know, if you're looking for a real upside um pod, then yeah, Garner could be an option. I would have liked to have brought him in last week. Um, the, those games with the lower base too, he's been playing centre most of the time, so that's why. Um, so, you know, back, back oh, okay, in the yeah, back row. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's even better. If you know that he's locked into an edge roll, 49 base is actually quite yeah, good. Yeah, look, I'd take that and keep it. I wouldn't even sell him later. I'd have him for that round 17 buy and then just match up play him after that. Um, which, again, if you bought him at 340000 a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> it's really easy just to hold that. But if you buy him at 408000 it's a bit harder. So it's just a bit of a tough price point. Look, vice captains and captains in this one, like the start of the year, we would have gone, wow, we're all over Souths here. They should absolutely carve, but they were terrible last week. Like, I thought they were going to play really well. And against that um, Raiders side, like, I thought they would have got the win and they would have had a lot of good players scoring well for Supercoach. But realistically, uh, they got absolutely pummeled 32-12 to 12 and looked awful. So against the Tigers this week, you know, it's, it's not as good a matchup as what we thought. Is there any way that, you know, if you're going to, you know, say you had your heart set on a, a later captaincy, like a Hines or somebody else, and that's what you're going to do, that you could look at a, a VC Cody Walker for a bounce back game considering it's the Tigers or you just think now that South just looks so bad that it's too risky with any of those guys? I think there's enough other options with Melbourne Panthers and then maybe a Heinz Tedesco, maybe someone from the Eels that you can just avoid. I think the VC, the the, the Rabbitohs are just not looking as sharp as we would have thought. In the Tigers at home, you would have seen that, as you said, beginning of the season and thought that's a Cody captain, lock it in. It's just not quite coming to to fruition. So I can't with confidence, you know, advise a captaincy, a vice captain maybe if you've got a feeling of a captain later in the round, then there's no like there's no harm in doing that. But I think there are better options for both VC and V uh, and VC and C this week. Yeah, I agree. I, I just can't go past Cleary being early, so I think I've got to jump on that. But look, VC, if you're gonna if you had your heart set on the later round C, uh, VC you could go for a massive pod play. He scored 77 against the Tigers in round seven. Um, he hasn't scored multiple tries in a game yet, which he always does every year. Maybe that happens this week and he turns up. Uh, top spot bet of the week for this one. Oh, I don't know if I'd like to go near it, but South's at $1.48. I think I'm just going to take the money line and hope that South can get a bounce back win. Sharks versus Roosters. Uh, we're both Roosters supporters. This is going to be incredibly biased, I'm sure. But um, we uh, we end up having a full-strength Shark side against us. So everybody's been cleared for TLT. Uh, they've got everyone back, including Will Kennedy at fullback. Talakai's been cleared. Miller Tullo's been cleared. And Wade Graham's been cleared. So all good news for the Sharkies. Um, for the Roosters, Satili Tupanua has been benched, which is big news for him because, you know, if you ended up holding him, it's been a tumultuous few weeks. And that's just really, that's just really hurt owners that have held him for that round 13 buy. Let's talk about the Sharks, first of all, because they're pretty prominent here. Talakai has been the most traded out player for like a month straight. And for the last few weeks, I've, I've been pretty confident he's going to score well, and it just hasn't happened. You know, he's had the draw to do it. I am going to say that last week, it, it didn't shape up too badly. You know, he he was on he scored 43 points, but he was injured and then ended up going off for the last, like, 12 minutes of the game. He would have scored 50-plus had he stayed on the field. A bit salvageable, but he's now got a, four, a three-round average of 42, which is terrible. 600,000, 125 BE. It's hard for me to talk people out of selling him now, and I understand why. Um, certainly, you know, I've got it wrong the last few weeks. I thought he would have had one big score in the last month, and he hasn't. Coming against the Roosters, you know, you'd expect this is going to be the tough game, but we do see it all the time, Armin, that guys that you expect to go well against bad teams don't, and then they hit a good team, and all of a sudden they, they actually have a good score. It could happen this week for Talakai, but now that he's got that center wing added, I just can't move him out. Like, I want to put him straight in my center wing and keep him there. So... I do think that when we come to round 17, people are selling him now 
uh, might regret it, but certainly at 600,000, I understand people cashing out with that break even. Yeah, look, I'm in the hold Talakai camp, but I don't feel like great about it just because the last month has been very frustrating. I've, there have been circumstances as to why he's done so poorly. Like we know um, the Broncos game, Stags locked him up. There was a lot of talk about that game because that was the game after he went huge against Manly. Then there was a game against the Warriors where, you know, the Sharks were two men down compared to the Warriors. Then it was the Raiders who have looked a little bit better. Last week against the Titans, I don't know how you can explain that. Maybe it was just wet weather or something like that. I feel like maybe there's a narrative I'm just building in my head as to hoping he'll come good, like classic gambler's fallacy. But the center wing status is very handy. The Roosters are actually the best team at defending the left center spot in terms of super coach points. So that is something to, you know, anyone who is looking to sell, which I can't fault really because there's so many good options at second or forward or, or center wing that you could change to. I can't fault the sell. I'm probably holding just because I feel like I've got other issues to tackle in my team. But yeah, uh, it's a it's a tricky one. I'm I'm just surprised that a guy that went so big for like three of the four weeks before he went so low, like, and it just happened to happen when everyone has started buying him. It's just classic super coach. It is, and I, like I I think that there is some silver lining for this week. Like his big scores came against Melbourne in round six of 114, full strength Melbourne Storm side away at Amy Park. And then a manly side the next week, he scored 165 points against and got Morgan Harper demoted. So he actually, he's big. Like we were looking at the next month going, oh, wow, look at the teams he's playing. They're all pretty bad. He should go really well. When the reality was his scores have actually said he, he's actually scored better against the better teams. So that, that might be a little something to think about for this week versus the Roosters. Um, the other thing too is that he's gone four weeks straight without scoring a try. And prior to that, he'd scored five tries in five weeks. And four out of those five games, he'd, he'd, he'd scored at least a try. So it all kind of comes around to maybe this is, you know, back on the run from this week and he could end up with a decent score because he's got to score a try again eventually um, playing in that centre spot there. So, yeah, obviously I'm holding him. Like I said, um, I think he's going to be phenomenal in the centre wing as a season-long keeper still, despite the struggles lately. Uh other market watch trends at the moment. Butcher is the seventh most traded in player. I liked him as a value trading last week. As a Roosters supporter, I really wanted to get on there. I expected him to be starting at um, 13 this week because he got moved to the edge last week. Um, but he's back on the edge. He's going to play 80 minutes again on the edge. 80 minutes on the edge last week versus the Panthers in a drubbing. He ended up scoring 69 points. But the big news out of that was that 67 points of that was in raw base. And, you know, Butch has always been a career worker. We haven't seen that rate from him before, but he does have that potential. He's still only 400000 Now, obviously, 370000 last week was a better purchase point. But 400000 with the BE of, of 18, you know, he's going to play at round 13. And Victor Radley is at least six weeks away from now from returning. So he is someone that you can continue to play and eventually make $100,000 off. So... He's one of those guys when I was uh, mentioning Nanai not making sense where I'd just pay 100000 less for a butcher. I think you can still pay 400000 for him at the moment and get value. Uh, and last week was extremely imp- impressive against that Panthers side. Yeah, I agree. 400 k is very palatable. And I think someone you know is going to cover around the team with that injury to Radley and um, has got such a good work rate as Butcher does. And don't forget that playing on the edge, he does also have some upside. Um, you know, he went 114 earlier in the season as well. So I, I do like Butcher. Um, 
uh, as a trading option, even if, like the price is just very tempting and you can view him as a nice little hold um, while Radley is out through this origin period. Because obviously we know that if we think Angus might play set of origin, I have a feeling he still will. Then you know that Butch is probably going to be have a bit more job security. And so he might just be good cover, I think, during this little period coming up as well. Yeah, and if you've got a lot of jewels hanging around and you're trading, um, say, Turbo out, you could trade Turbo and just a bottom dollar dead wood and get in Butcher and kick out into your second row. And that's Oof, a pretty good combo. <laughs> and you're going to actually have some change from that as well. So, you know, you're going to get change, you're going to get Butcher and kick out, and you're going to get rid of one piece of dead wood and an injured Turbo. And both those guys are going to play round 13. So that's, that's a pretty decent trade, I reckon. Um, moving along, a player of interest, a pod hunting play. I'm not, I try to talk myself into this and I couldn't. Um, someone brought this up on Twitter actually a week ago and I said, I can't do it. Um, and I still don't think I can, but I'm going to have to mention him because Siwa Takiaho, I haven't mentioned on the podcast most of the year because he's, he's been largely irrelevant um, and he's been coming off the bench too much and missing games. But it, it has to be said, the last three weeks, he's got a 64 average. Um, the last two weeks, he started at prop and now he's been named at 13. Um, and I actually think that he got moved to 13 last week and Butcher got moved to the edge. And the last two weeks, he's gone 57 and 69 minutes. Now, again, we spoke about Radley being out. The Roosters are quite thin in the middle generally uh, at the moment with some of the young guys still yet to come through and be able to play big minutes. Radley being out, makes me pretty comfortable that 57 minutes is his floor at the moment. And he's gone 62, 62 and 69 points the last three weeks. And he does play around 13 and he is a front row forward and he's only 520,000. So I'd like him to be cheaper, which I keep saying about a lot of these guys, but I can't ignore three weeks in a row of 60s. Um, I don't think that I can do it just because he keeps falling off and being irrelevant all the time and he doesn't really have any ceiling, but he has actually been a lot more solid than what I thought that he has. He's got five out of his nine games where he's gone 60 plus. And, you know, one of those games was uh, two of those games were injury affected where he played 20, uh, played 30 minutes and went off in round four. And then I think in round eight, he had a concussion. I'm pretty sure. And that was only 31 minutes. So all of a sudden, when you start to break down the numbers, it doesn't look that bad. I just don't have any real confidence that it's going to continue Armin. And I guess that's where I'm, holding back, but there is a world of possibility that he is the big beneficiary along with Butcher, not just Butcher from the Radley injury. Yeah, we've seen Takiyahu in the past has been called upon to play big minutes, so he's definitely got the engine to be able to cope with that, which is good. Like, he has played some big minute games. I'm seeing here, he's played, obviously, last two weeks, 57-69, early in the season, 54-62 minutes as well, so he's definitely got that in him, and look, I look at him, he's probably the best um, you know, low 500 round 13 front row forward which look it's not saying much because of the position being quite dead but if that's your budget that you're working with i don't see really any other options and i think at the price it's not too too expensive where it feels too much of a risk like he does it seems like takiyaho does seem to be the one that gets shifted around in robo's team lists like he'll go to the prop he'll go to the bench he'll go to lock like he seems to be all over the place so for myself i don't <laughs> i don't normally like that i like knowing that my player is just locked into a, a position and stays that way but um the scores are encouraging that's for sure and the round 13 coverage, I think, is what really is the kicker where, you know, you might think of just taking a chance on him. One of the things that's really changed the last two weeks on him too is that he's never been much of an offloader. But last week he got three offloads and the week before he got two. 
And he doesn't normally do that. So if he keeps offloading at even just one or two a game and he keeps getting two or three tackle breaks, which he's got in the last couple of weeks, and that changes his narrative completely. Um, it's just that we don't normally see that from him anymore and we haven't for a few years. So maybe it's a change in style for him. If he's playing at 13, it might make some sense, but you're really taking a punt on it if you're going to go for it. Maybe it'll work out, but there just seems like a high chance that it's just going to be solid, but not anything you're going to be heaps happy with. When we're looking at captaincy and vice-captaincy, now, um, vice-captaincy is probably a bit late. I don't think that anyone's going to want to captain any of the games after this. But Teddy and Hines are the obvious guys to talk about. Hines didn't go as well as what we would have hoped last week, but a lot of that was... uh, uh, I captain Hines, and I could not believe that he got sinned in on the bell. Like, 82 points, it could have been closer to a ton if he didn't get that sinned in on the buzzer. Yeah, I captained Hines as well when I tweeted out um, sweet, he's got the field goal. I'll take those junk points. And then two seconds later, he gets a sin bin. And I'm eating my words. So it was really frustrating <laughs> tweeting a little bit too early. It's a lesson for everyone out there. Wait for the full 80 minutes before you start gloating. Uh, well, look, you know, our Bruce's side has been a lot better the last few weeks. So I would say I do think that we're back. But uh, in saying that, we can still give up some points. And Hines is a premium player. So a lot of people will look at it and go, you know what? I'm going to VC Cleary and I want a captain Hines still. Now, Hines has got such a good floor where I I couldn't talk anyone out of that. Um, He's got two games under 50 this year out of his 11 starts. And that was 35 against the Storm, which is understandable, and 44 against the Knights, which is completely not understandable. But all the rest of the games, you know, at least 50. And if you take that 50 out, He's actually gone 60 plus, you know, 73% of his 11 games. So reasonably safe on Nico. Um, but against our boys this week, you know, would you talk people out of going in? I wouldn't talk anyone going out of him just because he does have such a good floor. It just feels like a difficult game. Like I was even just looking through tips early and I was just trying to call this game. And it's a really tough one because I think both teams have got their faults, both, you know, relatively decent health apart from the Roosters have a couple of injuries but the Sharks have obviously lost the likes of Finucane but I, I don't know I feel like Cleary just feels a lot more comfortable just because I can I feel like I can kind of call that game a little bit easier I think Cowboys will put up a fight but Panthers I think will be too good at the end this one I feel like the game could go either way I, I don't mind the Teddy shout though I feel like Teddy has been the ever-present even during the Roosters kind of down period so far this season and um, like I was unfortunately one of the people who sold him for Taft to get in um, Cleary a few weeks ago, and I've been regretting. Oh no! As a Roosters supporter, you sold Teddy. Yeah, I know it's bad. I broke the the cardinal rule of supercoach, is <laughs> never sell Tedesco, and I did it. And um, look, it's, it hasn't punished me, but he has he has been good. Um, he's just got the game for it. You know, he does those crowd runs and he gets those tackle breaks for fun. So I like Tedesco. Who people who own Tedesco, I do like him as a captaincy option. Bit of a pod captain. I don't think he'll be that highly captained. Um, but I think the Sharks can still leak points. So, yeah, I like him. Hines is very safe, but I feel like Cleary is a little bit safer than Hines and probably is a bit slight, slightly higher upside as well. Um, it's just more that the game is a bit tough to call, which is why I'm, might, I'm personally not going here for a VCLC. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got a feeling about Teddy this week and nothing supports it whatsoever. So if you look at his scores historically, you know, with all the teams, as far as his max scores go, the Sharks are the third worst you know, he, he scored a better max score against 13 other teams than the Sharks. His best score against the Sharks was 103 points, which for Tedesco is very low when you're looking at his biggest scores. Um, 
in saying that, you know, 67 to 62 the last two weeks, it doesn't look fantastic, but he's still got a five-round average of 85 and a three-round average of 85, which is very consistent. And I've just got a feeling this week against the Sharks that he's going to step up because I've really liked his work rate. And those Eels and Penrith games the last two weeks have been really hard. I tend to think that the Sharks have shown some some jinx in that armour and some, um, I guess, immaturity and inexperience um, where, you know, you get some good sides that come together and they go on a good run to start with and then they start to have some holes and, and some... I really got a good feeling about Teddy this week, um, whether I captain him or not. He is my other option. So if I don't captain Cleary, I'll tell you right now, it'll be a VC Cleary and a C Tedesco. Uh, and that's just all based on a feeling. So we'll see how my feeling pans out next week. But the Roosters are $2.08 on topsport.com.au. I'm going to take the plus one and a half points just to be safe and take $1.90 on them. But are you backing us this week? Do you think that the Roosters will get across the line against the Sharks? I, I feel like we will, yeah. Excellent. Well, these next two games aren't going to live up to the game of the round of the Sharks versus Roosters. Dogs, Dragons. <laughs> Just saying not, that. Not oh quite the follow-up. <laughs> but Kiraz is a really good follow-up as far as buyers go. Number one purchase. I, and I tell you what, he should be number one by a mile. Every, I, I, I would rate him as a must-have. Karaz is a must-have buy. If you aren't buying him this week, you need to. He has been very good, and he has ticked every single box you can have. He's now been named for his third game, so he's going to go up in price. He's got like a minus 88 break-even, which is up there with the highest break-evens we've seen the entire season. His first two games have gone 56 and 85 points. And the, the I think the base-base attack is the thing that you, you can really get out of it. Like... His base base attack is guaranteeing he's going to get a mid-40 score most of the time. And obviously, it's a small sample size, but the eye test as well. He passes that with flying colours. And it's a Dragons game too, where if I traded him in, I would play him this week. And then he's going to play the bye against a really understrength Panthers side. Like, it, there's no boxes he doesn't tick. So the question isn't why are you trading in Karaz? is why aren't you why aren't you trading in Karaz? Oh, probably the only reason I can think someone doesn't buy Karaz is you've been hurt by Burbo, uh, Tass, these other cheapies that we've brought in who've just failed to live up to it. And so you think, oh, I'm not going to fall for that again. I feel like it's, I would hope that it's a bit different with Karaz because he covers round 13. He has looked really good. It's a good matchup that you can even play in this week. I'll definitely be buying Karaz this week. And um, yeah, I think everyone should be. I'm, I can't see myself not playing him in my 17 three out of the next four weeks. Like Dragons, by period Penrith, Parramatta I'll bench him for, and then Tigers. And four out of the next five games, the Dogs are playing at home as well. So, I mean, they're not even travelling. It's just you get, him, get him in. If you've done your trades for the week and it's not including Karaz, go get him in and just reverse your trades. You've got to get him in. Moving along, a couple of other break-even guys. Um, really quickly, Ramsey looked really good last week, got the fullback job, scored 94 points. And I have to say, like, I've always been a, a uh, Ramsey critic. I've never thought that he's you know, a phenomenal fullback. I think he's too small. But 94 points, including one try, and he's now a minus 10 break even at 280,000. He is, you know, we spoke about the hammer as a potential downgrade dual centering fullback option at the same price. 
Cody doesn't play round 13. And I think that's that's the thing that you know makes people like me not look at him because I really want round 13 players. But if he keeps that job, and the whole thing is if he keeps that job, um, he's he looks like a really good buy at the moment if he can produce what he did last week. He was very good, but it was against the Warriors. But you can argue this week he's against the Bulldogs, so why can't he do it again? Yeah, that's the argument for sure. I think you can view him as a points player this week to plug in. Um, he probably has got the jersey for the foreseeable future. I feel like Terrell Sloan's just not been shown the faith and then um, Ramsey's come in, taken that spot and done really well. So you'd think that for at least the next few weeks, he should hopefully be um, having a decent crack at it. The draw, like apart from the Bulldogs this week, the Cowboys in 14 is a bit tougher, but you could argue that the Cowboys would just be, you know, a couple of days after Origin. I don't expect the Dragons to be losing that many players. To Origin, maybe, I guess, Ben Hunt will, but he probably would back up. And it's the Rabbitohs and then the Raiders and then the Broncos and then the, in the bye week. So it's a decent little stretch that you could maybe look at someone like a Ramsey. I think, yeah, you view him the same way of maybe a points player this week and you maybe get some cash out of him until hope round 17 and then maybe you can flip him after that. There's a trio of players in this one that are absolute pods and for different reasons. And I traded in two out of the three of them. The first guy that I didn't trade in last week was... Zach Lomax uh, scored 93 points against the Warriors. Uh, that's his his first 80 plus game this this year, and it's only his second time he's gone above 70 points. He's really consistent in giving you that 50 to 60, but he doesn't really have the biggest scores in him. He definitely had the biggest scores against the Warriors. Um, so certainly for head to head players or people that are looking ahead and don't really care about round 13, would you take a punt that this is going to continue and this form's going to keep going? Or do you kind of think that it was just sort of a one-off against the, the Warriors who are pretty bad and he's going to kind of fall back into that 50 to 60 range? Well, I hope he continues because I actually own Lomax. So he did quite well for me <laughs> last week. So I've had him for a few weeks. I've been keeping a very close eye on him um, naturally. And I feel like this, I would not get ahead of myself with this 93 score thinking that that's now a flip in the switch. Um, obviously, it's a good matchup against the Bulldogs, but just when I watched the Dragons in attack, with Ramsey, it was a bit different. They did seem to go down their right side a little bit more, but when Ben mm. Hunt was running the show, it seemed like Suli was actually used more as a kind of main attacking threat close to the line. Like, you'd see, you'd say Suli is more of a tackle breaker than, say, like a Lomax. So, I feel like Lomax was getting starved with the ball just a little bit in the red zone. Um, and so, like, one of his tries was obviously from Ramsey making a long-range break. And um, the other try that Lomax got was from an Aiken error. So I wouldn't read too much into that. I do feel like he will maybe just fall back into this kind of 60, 65 range because he has got the goal kicking. So if you like, obviously, the Dragons potentially being able to score more points, that will obviously help someone like Lomax. But I don't see him now breaking out all of a sudden to become a 70, 75 averaging guy. Just maybe temper your expectations a little bit, I think. Yeah, I, I still can't quite get convinced enough that he's going to score the biggest scores for me to buy him um, at his price point. But in saying that, I went super dirty last week. I mentioned that two out of the other three pods to talk about in this one I did buy. And one of them, I'll talk about the one that didn't work first, and that was Ravalawa. Uh, and, oh. I, and I just I bought him because it's like, you know, 280000 I had downgrade in the center wing. And I went, you know what? If we're talking about pods that, that you know, have a couple of weeks of big scores... He's like getting towards bottom dollar. He's playing the Warriors and he's playing the Bulldogs. And I did, the Warriors give up the, the most center wing points for Supercoach. And I was like, well, you know what? Yeah, he's going to go. He's going to go over the line because he hasn't scored since round one. And round one, he scored three tries against the Warriors and he's playing this week and he scored 119 points. Didn't quite work out that way. Went for a 33 
with no attacking stats. You know what? He's still only 279,000. He's played the Bulldogs this week, so I'll play him again and I'll wait and see. But he is now 10 rounds straight of not scoring a try. Considering Ravalara's try scoring in prior years is pretty incredible. Uh, but he's another one of those downgrade options. I feel like there's a heap of guys at 280,000. You know, you've got like Ramsey, Ravalawa, uh, the Hammer, and there's a few others as well that are kind of really bottoming out. Uh, the guy that did work for me, though, that's in this game is Burton. So I really liked the Ilias to Burton trade last week, and I mentioned it on the podcast, and then obviously Burton, you know, was potentially sick, but I, I did think that I saw good signs for Burton of maybe turning it around uh, the last few weeks. Scored 78 points against the Tigers. The problem is that, you know, a month ago he was 415,000. He's now 487,000. And I actually saw someone on uh, Twitter just earlier today that said, oh, I think I'm going to get Burton. It should go well against the um, the Dragons. And I was sort of like, oh, no, I only bought him a week ago, but I already feel like a week on I wouldn't buy him because he's already gone up another 40,000. And already paying 440,000 for him last week, it was just... I only just got myself across the line to do it. Now, I was happy to do it, and he got 78 points, but I'm not confident enough, even though he's got a three-round average of 69. You tell me as a non-owner, Armand, you know, 487,000, he's going to play round 13, Burton, at 5'8". He's got a three-round average of 69, 78, 57, 71 points. Has he turned a corner? Could you pay that amount for him? Ilias to him still going to cost you about 100 grand. I don't think I could pay that much. I think when he was at 415, 420k, it looks nice and at a good price. But it's not really even just him. It's just the Bulldogs. I just don't have confidence that they'll score that many points for him as a goal kicker or the primary attacker to consistently be able to knock out like a 55, 60 plus. I feel like he's going to be more of that kind of mid, like high 40s kind of average, which is what his season average is at the moment, like 49. I don't think there's any further upside. Like I could be wrong on that, but I'm willing to bet that I don't think he'll go more than a 50, 55 average for the rest of the season. So I, I probably wouldn't personally advise going for Burton. Yeah, I think the good thing last week when I traded him in too is that I, I looked ahead and I thought I had three really good matchups, including the buy. Um, this week, obviously, it's two good matchups, including the buy. So uh, I, I just think it's mm. it's not quite enough value there. Uh, but look, he, if he turns a corner, yeah, it is possible. And if he does, he's got the talent to, to go on with it. So you've got to back your gut on it, I think. Top sport better the week for this one. Jacob Carraz, if you were going to trade him in, how how good that you can put a bet on for $2.21 for him to score any time as well? That's what I'm going to do because there's no way I'm going to pick a winner out of Dragons and the Bulldogs. So <laughs> Jacob Carraz, anytime <laughs> dry. Uh, last game, Armin, it is Raiders versus Eels. Now, on form, this is actually pretty good because Eels have obviously been playing well uh, and the Raiders have actually done well. Did a number on the Sharks really easily, um, beat them by 20. So uh, um, actually, this is probably the best last game of the round that we've seen for some time because normally they're stinkers, but... Raiders team news, Jamal Fogarty's back for them, which is big. We've also got uh, Savage at fullback, which is going to be an interesting watch as well. Um, but he doesn't have jewels, so he's fullback only. But at the moment, you know, that makes it a little bit easier that everything's opened up with Pap and Turbo out. For the Eels, Wunger Blake's returned, and Sebo's in the reserves. So Sebo, we're not going to talk about yet, but I'm watching with interest because he's about 480,000. He's an old flame of mine. I'm happy to rekindle the romance when I see him healthy, and especially when he's going to be playing round 17. So big watch on big Sevo. When we're looking at market watching this one, it's really just Madison coming in again. 
is is the big news. So did you buy Madison last week yourself like a lot of coaches did? Uh, I didn't. Um, I saved trades last week, uh, so I wanted to consolidate because I've been burning the trades pretty heavily. So didn't bring in Madison, but I did really like him as a buy last week. Just looking at the numbers, like coming off the bench, he's been absolutely killing it. And the eye test, he's looking so good. Like he's got the attacking upside as well. 711k feels a little bit pricey now, especially when he's just coming off the bench. Like there's no guarantee that he'll get those attacking stats consistently. It's just uh, it's just the base and power. Like I think I can't even remember what he scored last week in base and power, but it was something astronomical. Um, <laughs> so I think I I regret kind of not going for him last week, knowing how good of a buy he was. But I think at this price of 711k, and especially like I feel like he's playing himself potentially to, into Origin contention. So I kind of want to wait and see what happens with that before I go and buy him now. But um, look, if you're buying him this week, I really can't fault you when you look at a five round average of 83. And a three-round average of 96. Yeah, he's absolutely killing it. Like, he scored 91 without a try on the weekend. Uh, so we said, like, the two weeks before, he went 107 and 91. And you went, oh, well, he's not going to score a try every week. And last week, he didn't score a try. And he still scored 91 points. So, um, And likewise with the minutes, he ended up playing the most minutes he's played since round five when he was an 80-minute edge back rower. He played 65 minutes. He's been named on the bench again, though. And one of the other things I would say to people to... Yeah, maybe hold off on that he's got a 40s BA. Okay. So he's not going to go up hugely, you know, and he's not going to play round 13. So I, I, I actually will talk people out of buying him this week. Like I, I understand why people are doing it, but I'll talk you out of it. He's been playing really well, but he's going to play one game in the next two weeks. He's going to be playing against the Raiders off the bench when the Eels have actually done something really funky with their pack where they're starting Sean Lane and Nicore as their edge back rowers and Isaiah Papali'i at 13. Now, maybe that works out okay for Madison, but I seriously don't know because I have not seen that combo this year. And the bench for the Eels is Makatoa, Madison, Kafusi, and Nathan Brown. Now, you know, the way they've all been playing, you know, they, they could all be middle forwards, all four of them. Um, obviously, Madison can go to the edge, but at the moment, you've got Pap off the edge and you've got Nakore and Lane on the edges and you'd think that Papalia is going to go onto an edge for one of those two. It, it just, oh, I can't make sense of what they've, what Brad Arthur's done. And I think that, and the fact that he's not playing around 13 and he's not really going to go up that much money. You, you just bypass him and just wait till around 14. Yeah. I think that's probably the way I played as well. That's my reasoning. Um, the only concern is that I would guess you'd clear the break even of 41 he won't change price and then he'll versus the Bulldogs in round 14 and he'll be even more expensive. That's where the, that's probably the counter where I'd say, look, if you really, if you view him as a season keeper, you're going to get him cheaper now than what you'd get him in round 14. And when you see the Bulldogs in round 14, you think, oh, I want a piece of that. That's the only counter I can see. But I look, I'm personally not getting him this week. Um, as much as I like to, it just feels a bit too expensive. And then in round 14, I'll see, I'll figure it out maybe if I still want him. <laughs> well, yeah. And if he's 20,000 more, you know, which is a likely scenario. Like he's probably like twenty to thirty thousand more. You know, that's not much money. And one of the big things coming out of round thirteen is that all of a sudden you have at least a third of your team that you want to just cull. So mm. you know, at the moment it's actually pretty hard. Like I've looked at my team the last couple of weeks, and been like, well, who can I trade? And this week it's tough because there's, you know, I don't really want to trade that many players. But come round thirteen, you know, you play those round thirteen guys, and then you're like, oh, this guy that I've had for four weeks that I've been holding because I wanted to play. You know, I'm, I want to ditch him now. You're going to have a lot of options to trade out. Um, and there's guys that you're going to have. You can't ever forget 
um, doing the mathematics on, yes, Madison might be a 40s break even. So he might go up 20 to 30K. But if the guys that you're going to trade out to him are going to go up 20 to 30K anyway, then you're not actually going to lose out anything by waiting. In fact, it's actually a lot safer. So do the maths on the guys that you're holding as well. You know, because if they've got, you know, lowish break evens, then you're all set. Just wait because he's not going to play next week anyway. Um, when we're having a look at one other break even guy, I've just got to give this guy a shout out. Cottridge was my potential non rava pick. And I, I mentioned Ravalar on the pod. I didn't mention Cottridge because you know, Ravalar has gone terrible this year too. Cottridge is another one of those guys that got down to that, you know, 280 K price tag. And I just went, look, I've, I've loved him before, but he's just, he's just been terrible all year. And the Raiders aren't the type of attack that gets him tries. So I went, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. You know, he's the price point. I wanted someone around that 280K mark that plays around 13, even better. I should have gone Cottridge because Cottridge scored 84 points. Uh, he's going to play around 13 and he's now going to minus seven break evens. So probably too expensive now at 332K. I wouldn't buy him. But just shout out to Nick because he really stuffed me on my trade last week. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I agree. I don't think I'd be bringing Cottridge. Like the Raiders don't seem to always hit their wingers as much as other teams do. So I feel like you can't even get the attacking stats to, to justify it. But um, yeah, he burnt you last week. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> well, an interesting one as well is that um, I'm going to finish off on the podcast by talking about a couple of the Eels guys for two minutes. This is probably the point. Um, where we're looking at head-to-head guys, you know, you mentioned trading in a Moses. Um, you could even look at a Gutherson at 580000 Would you be looking at some of these guys now if you're not looking at the buy, um, considering the matchups and considering you want to get guys like uh, Ilias out? Or do you think that you should just wait on some of these guns until, you know, after the buy round to make sure there isn't an origin injury or something like that and they're not named for origin too? Yeah, oh, if you're playing for head-to-head, then you're not really so worried about the buyers, and I think they're great trade-ins. Because like, the reason I particularly like Moses is that he basically proved me wrong where I wasn't too keen on him this year, and then he came out and uh, was on fire. And he has got the upside. Like, he's got uh, two games over 100 already. He's got a 90-plus game, a couple of 80-point games. So especially at that halfback spot where a lot of people are probably running either maybe like a, a Heinz or a, um, you know maybe like a Taff. If you've got Heinz at fullback and you've got like a Cleary-Moses combo happening, it's a real pod. And I think it's a pod where you're at least you're banking on a, a guy who's got upside playing in a good team with a decent draw. feels like the right combination. Um, so that's why I kind of like the Moses. And similar with Gutherson, he hasn't been as good as what he was last season. But I feel like I'm just thinking back to this time last year with Gutherson. This is when he really stood out during the origin period. And I'm just thinking, again, similar reasons. I don't expect the Eels to be too badly affected by state-of-origin players missing out. So I think they're still going to hopefully go good during this period. And I think plugging in someone like Gutherson, I also don't mind for for a few weeks until maybe like round 18. He'll cover the, the buy barring injuries as well. And um, look, the Raiders, I think, away, it's a bit tougher, but I still think they can leak points. It's just it's the Eels are just very inconsistent. That makes me give slight pause on that one. But I, I do like the pair of them, and you can even throw on a Dylan Brown into that conversation as well. Yeah, Brown's still been going really well. Look, Gutherson's always been my love, and I I looked at him for this, um, but obviously I'm focusing on the buy. So I'm I'm going to hope that the Raiders, you know, contain these Eels boys this week because guys like Gutherson still have a 64 BE, Moses has a 40 BE. Uh, they're, they're not hopefully going to move much, and that's kind of the tale of all the Eels guns. 
So that's why I think that you can probably bypass this Canberra game because from round 14 and 19, it's really nice. They go Bulldogs. Roosters South isn't the best, but South, you can argue, is now okay. Um, then they hit the Tigers in the bye round, the Warriors, and then the Broncos. And they've got quite a few home games in that run too. So teams like the Broncos um, are a lot harder at Suncourt for the Eels, but that's at home um, for the Eels, so that's better. And they have a bit of a harder run. But certainly, you know, 14 to, to 19 is that run that I want to hit on, and certainly for that buy. So I'm looking at that post-buy purchasing on the Eels, guys. But top sport bet for this one. I, despite how Canberra are playing, really like the Eels. Uh, $1.58 at the moment. I'm all over that one on top sport. But that is the podcast for this week. Armin, I really appreciate you jumping on. It was great to get you to debut on the podcast and to chat some super coach. No, no, again, had a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me as well. It was a great chat. You can listen to Armin's uh, Supercoach podcast uh, that is streamed on YouTube, either you know, via podcast on Spotify or watch it on YouTube because it's great with all the visuals and everything that Armin puts out there. Armin Talks NRL Supercoach. Search for that and you'll find it on YouTube and you can subscribe as well. With this podcast right here, you can get us everywhere, but certainly Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, Audible. Grab us everywhere. Follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And certainly use the promo code for Top Sport if you want to jump on our sponsor, and that is SC All Stars. Good luck this week. TLT round 12 had a bit of carnage, but hopefully you guys can get around it. Plan for the buy next week. Next week, Supercoach podcast will be a buy round special with me and Billy. Uh, end of this week, we'll have another Talk and Footy podcast where we talk just rugby league. Until then, enjoy the games this week. Enjoy your trades for Supercoach. Can't wait to chat again real soon. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.